Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. All right, there we go. We got it. Come on, last day. It's a Friday. Let's get through it. We got you until 10 o'clock here on the Wake Up Call. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Uh, We have Devin out here. Never met him before. We were talking Slayer earlier before we came on the air. So I'm sure Kevin Bowen's uh, excited that he missed uh, such a riveting conversation. But uh, last day for us here at the NFL Combine. We're still basking in the glow of our conversation. You'll hear that again with Chris Ballard coming up at 730. You know what's funny? KB, I have all these notes. You know, I'm watching the defensive lineman last night because that's what I did. That's exactly that's a hell of a Thursday. That's exactly where my Thursday. Pray for Nikki Sweeney uh, on that. She was very, very excited about that. But the biggest news is in women's basketball locally here uh, in Indianapolis. As Caitlin Clark says. I'm off to the WNBA, and 30 seconds later, the Fever put up, hey, you guys want to buy some season tickets? Uh, Welcome in. Good morning to you, KB. How are you, my friend? Good morning. Yeah, happy to be out here closing out the week at the NFL Combine. Again, a big day. Uh, Quarterbacks and wideouts going to meet the media, so it'll be a heavy contingent inside of the convention center here coming up in about an hour where things will really pick up, as you said. Chris Ballard will re-rack that coming up here at the bottom of the hour, and certainly the Caitlin Clark news. And I you know, I, there's an element, I guess, Andy, uh, of everyone's life. You're kind of products of the environment, products of the environment you grew up in, products of the environment of, like, the experiences you had growing up. I was very fortunate. Uh, Reggie Miller and Peyton Manning growing up in your own market. That's uh, Those are pretty two darn good role models and a pretty entertaining athletes for someone like myself. And, you know, I probably speak for a decent amount of our listening audience to have experienced. And, you know, I hate to get super sentimental. It's seven oh five in the morning, but like I said to my wife last night, like this is awesome for Rosie. That Rosie gets to like grow up in Indy, and you know potentially you're going to have uh, Caitlin Clark here for. And honestly, I shouldn't overlook Leah Boston at all. But you're going to have you know those two, you know, running your franchise for the next X amount of years. Like what an unbelievable opportunity it is, and just a great experience for, in particular, young girls to have that in this market in in a time where you just don't, you know, that's not as accessible as other sports or other male athletes. It's a lot easier for a kid in Indy to watch Steph Curry versus watching, you know, whatever, a WNBA player that's a star in a different market. So um, that, that angle to it, that aspect to it, I love. It was kind of funny. As soon as the announcement happened, I said to my wife, I'm like, oh, Caitlin Clark officially declared for the WNBA. She's going to be... Uh, she's going to be a member of of the Fever. She goes, oh, I already know. Uh, one of her good friends who played college basketball has already invited all of us over for a WNBA draft party. Oh, my goodness. Daughters, there you go. Daughters invited. Hey, good for you. And I'm like, that is awesome. That is that is. Wait, really, so she really had cool. some scoopage, and you could have actually broke the story? No, no, no. What this if was, you, this uh, was right after oh, okay. the announcement happened. But what if you break the story, and it's like you scooped Caitlin Clark. Okay. She was going to post that. What time did she post that? Like 4 o'clock yesterday? Say, it seemed like it was just Early before. About five o'clock, yeah. and you didn't get any Woj bombs or anything like that. Just a simple 
uh, post, and it makes sense she would announce it ahead of well, they, know, their senior days were, coming up they on were starting Sunday. To, they were starting to chant one more year. That and you don't want to have to answer those questions throughout sure, the tournament sure. run for Iowa and all of that. I do want to make sure we mention this, and I know we had Aaliyah Boston on the morning after she got drafted, number one overall. She's the only guest in the history of our morning show to go on Good Morning America and the wake-up call oh, wow. in the same show. Um because I feel like we lose sight, and we've done a poor job of it, so my hand is raised. Aaliyah Boston is unfreaking believable at basketball, and I don't think people realize that. Again, we've done a poor job of it. I was texting a couple of people with the fever yesterday. I'm like, all right, off the record, can you give me like an Aaliyah Boston NBA comp? Because I think okay. that would help us kind of resonate with the audience. And one person was like, I'm glad you asked that. She's better than Caitlin Clark. And the other person was like, she's Tim Duncan. Oh, just okay. Just, the, the, those are okay. I did not expect you to say that. And, the and, Tim Duncan, okay. And I'm just bringing this up to be like, they've already got a really damn right. good player there, and she's a great post player and all of that. And you couple her with Caitlin Clark, and it's like, wowzer! Imagine the next decade right, with those I, two. I got one for you on this going together. So when when this uh, when this happened, you know your timelines filled with this sort of stuff, right? Sure. Uh, your your algorithm on Twitter takes over. And you know the you know the shot they did on one of the early championship runs of Shaq and Kobe, where and this is where Kobe's still wearing number eight, I believe. That's what he wore early on in his career, where the camera's on the floor and it just pans up, and it's those two standing with their hands behind their back sure. for oh, the yeah. national anthem. If you see it on Twitter, that is like one of the main Shaq and Kobe things. That's what they were doing with with uh, with Caitlin Clark and Aaliyah Boston. That's what I mean. That's the type of well, I, I don't we know. Had, um, expectation, I guess. Who was the coach? Remember, we had the guy on the pop quiz a couple weeks ago. Coaches Stony Brooks Junior High girls basketball team, and and I asked him. I was like, you know, how much is the appeal there for Caitlin Clark sure. you know, with your girls? And he's like, yeah. To be honest with you, it's a lot of Aaliyah Boston yeah. right now for us. So again, when you're in. A market like this, and not only do you have the Tyrese Halliburton, you have the Anthony Richardson, but now for girls to have those two, and obviously it speaks for itself, the entertainment value. You know, Certainly Caitlin Clark, I think, plays a brand of basketball that, fair or unfair, the other sex really gravitates towards watching her and the ability, oh my gosh, she can shoot it from the volleyball line. And like, I mean, she does look like Steph Curry out there at times. Uh, what a time to be, certainly be living in this market. Again, a month and two weeks. That's uh, April 15th, I believe, is the WBA draft. I think I have that right. It's a Monday in April. Uh, I know we talked about this last week when Caitlin Clark played in Bloomington. Uh, the home opener for the Fevers, May 16th. Remember, oh. their schedule well, to do a remote down there, bumps right yeah. up to the now, end are you allowed, of the Are you allowed season. on the, the draft watch party? Is it men and women going to this draft party? Are you allowed? Oh no, I am home with Max. Okay, so you're not. So uh-huh. there's no boys allowed then. Well, I, okay, I, I, I like that. I don't know if that was mandated. Well, Max on the invite there, but uh, <laughs> it would probably be best for everyone's you know, sanity that Max well, Bowen is not there. Yeah, uh, it, it's funny. Um, ESPN Radio was talking about the very thing you were talking about. I don't know. You were walking over, so I'm sure you didn't get to get to hear it. But that's that's what they were talking about is the city of Indianapolis, the state of Indiana, 
the stars now that they have, and obviously Anthony Richardson still needs to prove. There is still the hope there right, uh, when right, you right, take right. a quarterback that high, uh, and we've seen, what, 15% of the season that he played last year. But you combine that with Tyrese Halliburton. You combine that uh, with what uh, you know is going to be you know cooking with the fever for the next few months, man. It's exciting. I mean, it's really exciting when you look at the core group of people uh, that you have here. So – that is huge, huge news, uh, and uh, that's just – It's been quite the scene in it's, Iowa City on Sunday it, 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 for her senior it re- day. It really is, and, and uh, she's fantastic. I think what you said, I think men look at women's basketball, and when she's shooting from the logo, I think that translates. I think that what you said right there is is one of the key things. So uh, we'll talk about that, obviously. Like uh, KB said, we had on near the end of the show, about 9.30, 9.35 yesterday, we had Colts general manager Chris Chris Ballard, uh, if you have not heard that conversation or seen that conversation, it's been all over uh, our social media platforms. We'll have that coming up at about uh, 7.30 or so. We'll replay that. Uh, A lot of good stuff. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., the franchise tag, building this team, the good and the bad. You ask him about, hey, listen, you're going into year eight. Um, <laughs> haven't been a lot of winning, right? Uh, how do we rectify that? Uh, some Jim Ursay stuff as well. So uh, pretty good conversation, about 20, 25 minutes. We'll hear that at 7.30. And then for me, uh, yesterday, I, I, I'm just wondering, I'm picking your brain here, how much did you fall in love yesterday with any of the edge guys? Because yesterday was a big day if you want the Colts to take a defensive lineman. Uh, the Penn State guy, Chop Robinson was out there. As expected, uh, he J- kind of lit things up. Jared Verse, uh, the Florida State guy, lit things up uh, as well. We've talked about a guy like Darius Robinson from Missouri. All three of those guys are guys that we've talked about uh, that we would imagine, you know, some of those guys. Now, I don't know with Chop uh, and specifically Jared Verse, who looks so great. I mean, I love Jared Verse. If you told me he's the defensive line from Florida State, if he was there at 15, I just think he checks every box. Again, I'd have no idea, uh, obviously, what Chris Ballard uh, is going to do. And then one thing I was going to ask you, even though he's technically a linebacker, but he's very much seen as an edge, Alabama's Dallas Turner. He's the guy for me. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so he's your guy. He turned heads yesterday, and, I mean, he looks like a beast. And he's probably more of the mold of the kind of guy you're looking at. Again, more of the pure edge guy. Um, You know, some people think – I think he actually worked out with the linebackers yesterday. So, you know, exactly positional fit. You know, that that sort of question with him – um, but and does he get to 15? Is probably the other question with Dallas Turner. Is he the first edge guy that comes off the board? You know, does that guy go whatever eight, nine, ten, something like that? A little bit earlier uh, than the Colts pick at 15. But again, yesterday defensive lineman, linebackers. Today you'll get tight ends. We'll see about Brock Bowers. He was yep. like, yeah, I'm going to show up to Lucas Oil tomorrow and see how I feel, and then I'll decide if I'm going to work out or not. I'm like, boy, that's uh, that's quite the thought there. It's like, yeah, I'm going to walk into Qdoba and. F- you know, see if I'm if I'm feeling a type of burrito here on this Friday morning, uh, and then we will hear from or defensive backs also will work out today. So the corner group will get out on the field. So it's be a pretty deep draft class with that. And then, like we said, quarterbacks and wideouts going to meet the media starting up here in about an hour. So you're going to get a whole lot from a talking head standpoint on the other side of this curtain right here if you're oh, looking on the yeah. YouTube stream. Marvin Harrison Jr., 820. I jotted it down. I think Penix is a little bit later 
in the morning here. Um, yeah, so you're going to get Jaden Daniels, uh, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix at 8. You'll get Marvin Harrison Jr. at 8.20, Drake May, 8.40, Caleb Williams, 9 o'clock, and Michael Penix Jr. at 9 20. Again, for those that missed it, we will re-rack that Chris Ballard audio, uh, that interview coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Um, so that was, what, a little over 20 minutes with Ballard yesterday? Is that, yeah, is Mark that? can tell us, but I think it was, what, 22, 23 minutes yesterday. And by the way, it's working its way the, around the Internet. You, there, someone took a screenshot of you glaring at Ballard. Have you seen this? I've not. No. Oh, you have it's no. working its way out to find it on Twitter. Oh gosh. Where you're you're eyeing Chris Ballard. It oh. looks like it looks like you're glaring at the Colts general manager. You're eyeing him down over one of his answers. It- so Interesting. I'll to, I'll to I'd have to, to think that. back on what that answer would be. I, I have my, no idea. Hope my I had better body language than that throughout the uh, throughout the entire interview. Um, I did appreciate Ballard's time yesterday. Um, I thought you know we, we we can get into some of the takeaways I guess on the other side. Here it is. It's Jeremiah from Wheatley what, uh, from what Ballard there's your said glare. There. There's your glare, oh, Ballard. I do look like I'm pouting you, over there. You in the do corner. look like you're glaring uh-huh. at Chris Ballard. Like you, so we will re-rack that. You better draft Dallas Turner at 7.30. Again, I'm Kevin Bowen, Devin on-site engineer, Andy Sweeney with us, Mark Dykton back in studio. Friday at the NFL Combine, it'll be a busy one. Quarterbacks, wideouts on the field tomorrow, workout-wise, after they meet the media today. Thank you for closing out the week with us. It is the Wake Up Call right here on 93.5-1075, The Fan. All right, let's dive into it. Your morning check down. A quick reminder, Chris Ballard met with us yesterday. We'll replay uh, that 20-22-minute conversation with the Colts general manager coming up here at about 10 minutes or so. Pacers back in action tonight. They're on the road in New Orleans. That one in 8 o'clock tip-off, 7.30. You can hear it right here on the fan. Uh, Pacers 3-1. and one. You know, I was going to ask this. Pacers better, worse, or holding par from what you thought they were going to be after the break? Yeah, three yeah. and one. I thought five and two, six and one. If yeah. you want to stretch it out to those first seven, so I think three yeah. and one's a decent start. Um, obviously, maybe you flip flop the Dallas and Toronto games. If you look at maybe the results, I, I'm a little surprised to see them a five and a half point underdog tonight in New Orleans. Um, I get that it's hard to beat a team twice in three nights, but still a little surprised to see that. So again, eight o'clock and then seven o'clock on Sunday, Mr. Webinyama twenty eight thirteen. Seven and five for him last night against Chet Holmgren. Again, his poorest shooting night of the year against the Pacers back in their first matchup. So round two coming up Sunday for the Pacers in San Antonio. Just, just as an aside, last night was a good night uh, for the Pacers. The Hawks lost. The Knicks lost uh, yet again. So, yeah, but the Magic, man, they the just Magic keep, keep on winning, baby. Moving on up. I know they beat the Jazz one fifteen one oh seven. Caitlin Clark has declared for the WNBA draft again. That'll come up on April fifteenth. Indiana Fever will select her number one overall. If you missed it last week when she played down in Bloomington against the Hoosiers, or I guess was that a week and a half ago at this point. Um, we had on Megan McCune Wallace uh, from Big Ten Network, Peacock. She's broadcasted several games of Caitlin Clark this season. Here was Megan on what she has seen from Caitlin Clark, not only on the floor, but off the floor as well. Caitlin Clark is such a good kid. Um, I, I say kick, she's, you know, 22 years old. That's absolutely wild that she's handled all of this the way she has over the course of her career. But, like, I, I tell this story all the time. I call it her first game ever on national television when she was a freshman. And this was back in 2020, so we're in the midst of COVID. We weren't even sure if there was going to be a season. And we have a Zoom call with her, Lisa Byington and I. And I was blown away by her maturity and poise 
on this Zoom call. My sister is the same exact age as Caitlin Clark, and I was like, how are you guys the same age exactly? She's really personable, very down-to-earth, um, and just kind of like, she's goofy, you know, has a big personality and uh, has really, I think, handled all of this so well, the way that you would you would want someone to handle the spotlight that's been on her. Um, and ultimately, like, her teammates love her. And she's the type of player that, like, everybody, like, you know, she, she does all the hype stuff. She hypes up the crowd. She's a trash talker. All those things, which, like, I personally love, and I think that's great. And you see it on the men's side all the time. Uh, but she is truly, like, the full package when it comes to somebody with the personality as well that can handle this type of spotlight. Five and a half hours, Andy Sweeney, Iowa City to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. That is the commute I think you'll be seeing quite a few people make next season. Is that person yeah, I mean, that, did to Iowa, that did Idaho supposedly going to make this trip as well? <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. That's yeah. a great point. Yeah. Just the, I mean, for them, I would love to know their early pro- projections on the financial impact on their organization. I would love to know what they even think Mm -hmm. it could be with tickets and merchandise, popularity. You see those studies, you know, all the time when a superstar joins an organization, what that superstar means. TV ratings. It's not even – it's – you know, I mean, if you KB, look it's at not the, even close. You look at the TV schedule for your last year, you know, some games on Bally, some sure. games on CBS sure. Sports, some games on Twitter, some games on NBA TV. I mean, it's a wide range. I, I am curious that, too. Like, well, you know, will there be a little bit more of a, I don't know, easily accessible package for the Fever this year? Do they fall into more of those national windows that the WNBA does have? So, uh, just it's going to be fascinating to watch it all unfold. Uh, again, for Caitlin Clark, her senior day coming up this weekend against Ohio State. Uh, and then she will be a member of the Fever starting April 15th. Two things. I mean, there is a great chance that they have more nationally televised games than, like, the Pacers did this season. That's not crazy to say. Like yeah, that, what the Pacers have, five of them? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's not crazy to say. The other thing, you know, she's dating still Connor McCaffrey, who's on the Pacers. Um, what's he, video? Is he uh, one yeah, of the video, video guys? Like well, the reason I bring that up is I've never Googled him. And But because we've talked about it, you know, your iPad and your iPhone are listening. I have got so many ads of Connor, uh, Caitlin Clark and her boyfriend, Connor. The other day I was scrolling through. I'm like, would you guys, would, would my iPad stop listening to me? Anyway, we can move on. We got to move on. Uh, Purdue hosting Michigan State Saturday night. Uh, that one, 8 o'clock on Fox. Indiana at Maryland on Sunday. That one, a 2 o'clock matchup on CBS. Our coverage on IBC beginning at 1 p.m. If you missed it yesterday, Chris Ballard joined us live here at the Combine. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. 
Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. I appreciate you joining us on this Friday, making uh, us a part of your morning routine. KB and Andy, the wake-up call here on The Fan. We got you to 10 o'clock. Uh, reminder, Greg Rakestraw going to join us coming up at 8 a.m. All right, so yesterday, uh, about 9.30, 9.35 or so, Colts general manager Chris Ballard hung out with us for the better part of uh, about 20 minutes or so. Wide-ranging conversation from building the team to Anthony Richardson, Michael Pittman Jr., and everything in between here's that conversation it starts off with Ballard walking over and seeing that we're sitting next to the New England Patriots so here it is Chris Ballard on the fan yesterday Connie he's pointing me this direction I said what the freak is this we're going to the evil empire right away they want away. to chat with you next you'll just slide yeah we, we're stuck between the Titans and the New England Patriots how about that we got the Jags to our right well it's go- uh, good to meet you uh, yeah. General Manager Chris Ballard with us here uh, as we're hanging out live at the combine I feel like I'm contractually obligated because uh, I'm, a, I'm a media member to ask you about Michael Pittman Jr. And of just uh, those conversations, uh, what he means to the organization. I'll ask you this. Is there more pressure because you know everyone's watching this one because of what he means on the field, off the field? He's obviously uh, a great player for you guys. How are those conversations going? And maybe a little bit more pressure what Michael Pittman means to the Indianapolis Colts. No, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, I think we all know Pitt's a really good football player, and he fits us, he fits what we do, fits our culture of what we're doing internally. Um, the, his agent is, he's got a really good agent. He's been great through this entire process. Um, and it, it's just one we just, we'll just continue to work. Um, we'll work especially through the next, this next few days and into next week to see if we can get something done. Um, I'm encouraged about where we're at, but we still got a little work to do on it. You feel like you're close on a long-term deal? Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if you ever feel like you're close until the actual contract signed. I learned that a long time ago. Um, it's, but you, you, you think you are, and then it's they're always delicate with negotiations, um, and you just diligently work through. Mike Bloom does an incredible job for us, um, and he kind of knows where, you know, what we have available from a financial standpoint um, and then plus the other things we want to do and trying to fit it all in he does a tremendous job and that's always part of the equation so but we're optimistic about where we're at and I assume if you don't get that long-term deal done by Tuesday you would tag him it's a it's a tool we have hopefully we get something done never had to use it before 
um, and hopefully we get something done before that moment. So if you don't get something done Tuesday, you would let it play didn't, out? Until- didn't I answer this question <laughs> yesterday? I mean, that's just loaded. It's like I can't give a right. I can't give the a tag deadline is is Tuesday. Yeah. Is, is it, it long term deal? Or hopefully must? we get something done. <laughs> Chris Ballard with us here uh, on the wake up call. Uh, a showdown here. I'm in the middle between you and Bowen. By the way, we we do have a clip of you saying freaking Bowen several years ago. So you probably have no, you probably have no idea. My, my, oh no, I so, say that all the time. Well, see, at, at, at some point uh, we may need you. So and, it, my, and it usually doesn't start. It doesn't. The second letter's not usually an R. We've a dumb butt. It's been used. Uh, R- Rick Carlisle has put our dumb butt oh, yeah. to use uh, in the, in the last several weeks. I was going to say my last name's Sweeney. We may need a freaking Sweeney uh, that we can we can kind of we can kind of uh, mash them together. Just uh, ask questions about White House. Well, you'll get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you, there, there you go. That, that'll be that. We'll we'll, we'll we'll keep that to the end uh, of the interview. Uh, obviously, talking about uh, Anthony Richardson, you were asked about him yesterday. Uh, not pushing that. Uh, it's good that his rehab is going well. How does he look, and how have the conversations been? Where you make sure that he's not doing too much too early? No, that's that's a good question. I mean, his doctor's been heavily involved. You know, Dr. Elatrosh did it out in, in California, and he's he's been a, a, a great resource just from a checking standpoint. All right, are we making sure we're hitting the benchmarks that we need to hit? We're not moving, you know, too slow, but also moving at the right pace. Um, and then between him and our rehab team, and then a couple other people that he has that he's been working with for a few years, um, there's been really good communication and dialogue to what, you know, where we want Anthony to be at this point, then plus when we get to April, sure. May, June, um, and we're in a good place right now. Will there be anything different, like mechanically, no. with him? No. It'll be all... No, no. It, it, he'll, there won't be any changes. The, the good thing is uh, there wasn't structurally anything wrong with the shoulder, much different than Andrew's case, where Andrew, you know, had a torn labrum, so a much different rehab than Andrew's was. And it's not as quite... A, it's a... It's a it's a serious surgery, but it's not near as labor intensive in terms of the surgery when it you know when it's not a labrum, not a torn ligament. He is Chris Ballard. He's here with us live at the convention center, year eight for the Colts GM. You seem to express a good amount of regret yesterday about the wideout position, um, and, and, and you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but maybe the lack of whatever support you gave Reggie Wayne and that staff last year, coupled with you're really bullish on this year's draft depth at wideout. Um, could you expand a little bit on the regret from last year and not and I, giving that group enough? It, it wasn't as – the regret came like when Dueling came – you know, when you lose a good player, it, it's hard to replace that guy. And so kind of – and look, some of those guys, they gave us some good snaps and did some good things, but finding consistency out of that number four and number five is something we're looking, you know, looking to make sure we shore up. Getting Dueling back will help. His rehab's gone really well. Um it was a freak. It was a freak accident, you know, with the ACL. I mean, I remember watching the tape over and over again going, how did this happen? He's on grass, and he just makes a, I mean, he just makes a, a post cut, and, you know, the knee gives out on him. So, you know, just a little bit of bad luck in that circumstance. And then, you know, the depth part of it, finding, finding a guy that, you know, like Doolin's, 
Doolin's value is that one, he plays on, he's a core t- special teamer. Um, he does a lot of the dirty work, um, you know, at wideout, and he can do it from three different spots. And I always felt that he was one of the most undervalued players we kind of had just because of that that role. Uh, Zach Pascal filled it, you know, for a few years, and then Doolin kind of stepped into that role. So having a your number four is really has to be able to play multiple spots and give you snaps on teams. Um, you, and I'm telling you, that's a unique thing when you got a guy like Doolin that can do all of them. That's a that's got all pro Pro Bowl talent as a as a teamer. Then also fill in if he's got to play wide out and actually start a game or two. Um, you're still in good shape with him. And you feel this this crop in this draft is. You know, might might compare to that 2020 group that yeah. you might have what four or five Hall of Famers in that crop. Well, I don't want to stamp them as Hall of <laughs> Famers yet, but they're very. Ta- it's a very talented deep group, which is good. I look at wideout again. Chris Bowd with us here at at the combine. You know, Josh Down seems to be the ideal complement to what you have in that room. How much is getting a little bit more yard after catch? Yeah, I, I mean, at? I think as he gets, I mean, he's still a young player and even from a physical development standpoint he's still young you know his body's still maturing and I think that you know as he gets stronger um, and then plus he adjusts to how people are playing him like when you start watching the tape the second part of the season you know people were trying to take Josh away I mean he became really a dangerous you know weapon for for the offense and you know especially on you know on money downs when you when you got to have it so we we and I and like I, I think we've designated him as a slot only, but I thought some there were times last year where he showed he could play outside too. Um, so we think he's got great versatility. He's got really good upside. You know, Josh, and he's a he's everything you want. Like he works, he cares, he's tough, he fights through things. Like all the stuff you like about him is why he's going to be a good player. You expect Grover and Julian Black, uh, Blackman to be back? Well, I think with all, I think with all our free agents. Um, you know, we've had good discussions with all their agents. Um, you'd like to say absolutely, like to have everybody back, you know, but that's not always realistic. Um, what, at the end of the day, uh, whoever we do end up getting back are the ones that we were able to kind of fit in the plan of what we have to try to, you know, shape this team for next year. And, you know, even the guys we don't, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out and sometimes they get more money at another place that we just weren't able to do. So we'll see how that works Would out. Would you say the realistic nature to it is you want to do something else and if you bring those top four back, if you will, that can kind of hamstring you a bit? I think you always try to get your own guys back first. I mean, that's always the priority. One, because you know them and they know you. All right? So there's – it's one of the funny things with – with, and especially – and I think the fan base, I think the media, I think even internally, like you always see your own players and you see kind of the warts on them. And, and, but, and then you see the shiny object in free agency – that you've never lived with and you don't know the warts and I think that's always a kind of a balance that it doesn't mean you dislike the player but you well you know maybe if we go get this other guy that's a free agent you know you know maybe he'll he'll fill the role better and he's a shinier new object but that's not always the case and we're always going to lean towards trying to do whatever we can to bring our own guys back sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't 
He's the general manager of your uh, Indianapolis Colts. Chris uh, Ballard here with us on the wake-up call on the fan. Uh, your tight end room, the last few years you put a lot of draft picks into that tight end room. Uh, Jelani Woods, uh, it's terrible the setback he had this year, not being able to play. Maybe not a deep draft class this year uh, at tight end. You could talk to that, but what do you make of your tight end room? How much work do you think needs to be done there? Yeah, I mean, look, we were, I think in totality, it was a. It's a. It ended up being a productive room for us. I mean, I think when you add up kind of what everybody did together, it ended up being a productive room. Do we necessarily have? You know, I said this yesterday. You know, we don't necessarily have a, a Kittle or a or a Kelsey, um, but we have really good players in that they all have a little bit different skill set and what they can do. And I get points in the season. They all made a play that helped us. You know, from from uh, Granson who is sometimes I don't he even for being an undersized guy really battles as a blocker Mallory who you know one we got to stay healthy and get him get him a little stronger but he did some really unique things in the passing game uh, that we liked and created some mismatches that that were really good um, and then you talk about Mo who you know all Mo does is show up and and do whatever he's asked to do and do it at a at a good level um, so in terms of the room and then then when you talk about Jelani who's really got is really got a unique skill set because you know because of his length and his ability to run and stretch the field he's really good when you're talking about the the shallows the seam routes uh the dovers the long crossers that you can run with him and he's a big target for the quarterback uh so getting him back will be a big ad okay chris boward is with us here live at the combine again inside of the convention center chris year three it will be for gus bradley in this defensive scheme what is it about gus's scheme that that you like and you and Shane wanted to retain? Well, I mean, we've, you know, after year one, you know, with him, and we had a bunch of, I want to say we we had a group coming off, a, you know, a tough 21 season where it didn't end the way we wanted um, with a lot of veteran players. And, we, you know, we ended up signing Gilmore and had some mm-hmm. vets. And then we said, you know what, we're going to start, we're going to go back and try to get younger and develop those. So the simplicity won. Um, and that's where I would think that it's been fun to watch. Gus is smart now. He is a smart man. He's a smart coach. Um, I thought he did a really good job adjusting some things last year to what we had. And then we'll continue to build on it. Um, you know, we've done some good things. We've got to eliminate the explosives. I think we all know that. Um, that, that you know, making a team have to earn it down the field is a big part of this game. When you give, when you, I mean, we'll play great defense for 50 snaps in a game but there's seven or eight that you know will give up a play and so we've we've got to eliminate that some of that was youth um and you know some of it was you know these guys just hasn't been in these situations so i think they'll get better um i did think there was areas we didn't we did improve we're pretty good on third down um the red zone was better not where we want it and that's an area we got to take even a, a better a bigger step for we'll always be front driven um you've got to keep nine ten guys in the stable um that can rotate in and take snaps where those other guys can can you know really give the max effort when they're in the game you know that's always the that's always and it's hard you know to have nine or ten i thought last year was a really good group i mean i thought that what you know between 
you know, you got your first four, then you have your second wave of guys. And there's some young guys we're excited about. Like, I still think Quiddy and Dio will take a whole nother. I think there's more, another step they can really take. I think Eric Johnson will continue to prove from a small school. We picked up a kid from Dallas last year that kind of got glossed over was Isaiah Lamb that we think has real upside as a rusher. And I think you saw he was only active for five or six games last year, but when he was active, we saw some really good things out of him. He just, you know, small school, young, needed, really needed a year of work, and it'd be fun to watch his development this offseason. Chris Ballard with us here uh, on the Wake Up Call on the fan. Uh, we've done a lot of position stuff. I-, I wanted to ask you this because one thing that kind of struck me, you know, fans, after a loss, people, you know, people get angry. And I'm, and I'm talking about, you know, the heartbreaker, obviously losing to Houston at the end of the year. You had that press conference after the season. You talked for like 45 minutes, an hour or so. And I thought at the end, you kind of bared your heart out, your soul almost, uh, where you're like, you know, hey, that game was on Saturday. I came in here on Sunday, and I was alone in the facility. Um, what was that day, that night, and that next day when you're in the facility and you know you were right there from making the postseason? What's going through your mind? Kind of what's the emotion as you're sitting there in an empty facility and you're alone in your office? It's, um, you know, anytime you get that close you know the division title on the line then you don't finish it out and look it's happened you know in 21 when we didn't finish it out at the end of the year and then in 23 we don't finish it out um and it was a and and what i will say about the game like it was a heck of a game versus houston which you know you look at it you know kind of hindsight now i mean houston was playing really good football Mm -hmm. at the time i mean they went and beat up they bit the i mean they handled cleveland pretty easily in that playoff game and then you know really for a half gave baltimore a good run um and it was a heck of a football game and at the end of the day you know they made you know one or two more plays than than we made and that (laughs) that can be a a tough pill to swallow but one you have to swallow Mm -hmm. you can't just ignore you know that you didn't get it done and that's a frustrating it's frustrating but the things i was encouraged about was to watch our team compete the intensity watching a lot of these young players compete that was encouraging for the future um i suck handling loss like it's Mm -hmm. like game day i'm the worst there's (laughs) nobody i mean i turn into like the fans have no idea like i turn into them and if like if they saw it they would go okay that's that's how i act too Except they're probably not punching walls and throwing <laughs> chairs against the, against the <laughs> sitting in front of you in the Cincinnati press box. I was reminded about. Uh, <laughs> was there a chair? Was there a chair thrown in that in that Texans game? Uh, no, no, that was pretty good. Okay. That was pretty good. Okay. That one was pretty good. Well, like fans of- don't fans don't see that. They see the result. But I mean, you're in there the oh. next day. This is your livelihood, and it's like you were that close, and yeah. you know you were that close. Yeah, and look, I mean, that's the. That's the great thing about our league. It is so co- – like the difference between six wins and 11 oh, wins – It's unbelievable. Is, it could be six or seven plays in a, in a season. Well, think of your game with Cleveland earlier in the season. Yeah. I mean, literally, oh, well, you yeah. may not want to, yeah. I mean, a call here or there, a play here or there. Try not to get yeah, fined sorry. here on yeah. this uh, Thursday morning at the combine. We are live I don't quite combine. have Mr. Ursay's stroke. <laughs> we are live here at the combine. Chris Ballard is with us. Chris, year eight for you. I don't need to remind you of these numbers, but it's one playoff win. It's zero division titles yep. in your era. Why don't you feel like you've had more success? I think you, Kevin. I think you know me well enough to know I'm. 
it, like either you get it done or you don't. I'm not going to sit here and ever. The easy thing would be to make an excuse and look at the end of the day. Not getting the quarterback position right has hampered it, and that falls on me. I don't fall on anybody else but but me. And it's something that you know you you learn and you grow from. Uh, I think we've done good with Anthony. Now I think time will play out. Play out. Um, but my failures in that space and with a with a position that's so important, um, you have to get that right. You have to have a guy that that can that can actually you know lead you and make plays in critical moments um that's the great separator in our league i think you see it every year in the playoffs i think you see it with teams that really excel and go forward they have a guy at that position that you know when the game's on the line or when there's there's real leverage points in the game where you need to make a play he makes a play do you view roster building as there are positions that are more premium than others that's a that's a good i mean look i think you know me by now i think the front both O-line and D-line are critical to win in this league. I do. And I'm not taking anything away from the other positions, but I think as the season goes on, it shows up more and more. Teams that are good up front, usually at least it gives you a chance each and every Sunday. I think we've all seen when you're not good up front, the result of that. Unless you have just a true magician back there at quarterback that that can somehow overcome it. But I always... My mindset has always been that way. And, look, I learned that from a long time back in Chicago and then and then looking at what Coach Reed. I mean, Andy, that was one of the things Andy always – I mean, you never go short up front. And you look at how their team's built. I mean, mm-hmm. it is – you know, it's yeah, quarterback no and then it's up front. I mean, and I just think in the long run, that still wins in our league. Last one from me. You mentioned explosive back about a month and a half ago. You want to get – more explosive how much of that is simply you just think the presence of number five under center gives you that and how much of that is no we need to go outside the building and make sure we do a little bit more there too well unequivocally i think the the quarterback's going to help i think it showed when he was when he was in the game um you know his i mean like i thought one of the really cool and it sucks that we didn't finish it out but the but the ram game I thought, like in the second half, I, you know, you're, we play like crap in the first half, and and credit to the Rams. I mean, they kicked us. I mean, excuse me, they kicked the crap Mark, out dump, of us. Dump that, Mark. Yeah, please, thank yeah, you. Scratch that one out. They they kicked the crap out of us in the first half, but the explosives that he was able to create in the second half was really fun to watch. But when you have, like, that's the one thing about like Jonathan Taylor. Like Jonathan can turn a a one, two-yard run into a 40, 50-yard run. Having, you know, making sure we we add another element to the offense that's really good after the catch that can create the play that's not not there. Chris Ballard with us here. And by the way, the Jonathan Taylor, that Houston game, one of his, uh, yeah. no doubt, f- finer games. Uh, need to ask you this. Um, you know, you don't have to give up too much, but, you know, free agency, draft, all this is happening. Uh, how much contact have you had with Mr. Ursay uh, in that? How are those conversations? Is obviously he's getting uh, over his illness yeah. that he's been dealing with. I actually talked for 30 minutes last night. Um, and he's good. It was. It's really good. No, he is like Mr. Say is always going to be involved. Um, 
I mean, it's one of the things I really appreciate about him is that he's done this job before, so he understands the the ups and downs of it. He understands the, you know, the negotiating part of it. Sure. Um, and of course, I lean on him. And so, we had a, a great talk last night. I kept him abreast. We'll talk again here when the combine's over and kind of tell him, okay, here's where I think we're at and here's where we're going. Um, but all good. All right, so there you go. Uh, Our conversation yesterday with Colts general manager Chris Ballard. I guess we'll react, but just quickly, anything you picked up there uh, second time listening through that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things I want to get to, frankly. Um, You know, certainly the Ursay update is probably the most tangible thing we've heard in quite some time. If you just want to go off that answer, I thought I heard a little yards after catch, which made me excited. You, You heard some yak. There was a comment in relation to the defensive approach I didn't love, and then it was interesting. I was actually texting with one of my colleagues uh, later this afternoon or yesterday afternoon, and he felt like there was a big takeaway that I didn't maybe okay. initially. That's a good team. I like with, that. So we'll hit on that as well. It is really starting to pick up steam here in the convention center. Jaden Daniels, JJ McCarthy, Bo Nix about to head to the podium. Marvin Harrison Jr. in about twenty live here at the convention center. It is the wake up call Friday of Combine Week. Life is full of things to manage: your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. So during that break, Kevin Bowen said, you know what, I'm going to go look at the scene over there. We have quarterbacks, wide receivers. We're like 15, 20 minutes away uh, from Marvin Harrison Jr. speaking here at the Combine. KB and Andy live from the NFL Combine. Remember, you miss any of our conversation with Chris Ballard. That was yesterday uh, in the 9 o'clock hour. We just played it there. Check it out, 1075thefan.com, the podcast center, or the YouTube stream. We have Greg Rakestraw here coming up in just a second, but you said, Andy, I have an observation from the horde of media that has descended here in Indianapolis. Yeah, Go I don't ahead. Know the accuracy of this birdie, but you know, Ooh, a little birdie you over have a there. It's like, well, Marvin Harrison Jr. might not be making the media Ooh. rounds here on this Friday morning. We know he's not working out. So he's just not going to do anything then. Well, he's been here. I mean, he's here. So I guess, I I don't know, medical testing he did, if that. Um, So yeah, basically for those unfamiliar with Marvin Harrison Jr.'s original combine plan, it was to do nothing. And it sounds like do nothing at the pro day from a you know, testing standpoint, you know, often, not, not oftentimes, but sometimes, Andy, you see guys don't necessarily do the testing here. Sure. But then do it at the but, pro But day. they always, like, he would always do it at Ohio State. Right. But, you know, he is a big, hmm. I don't need to train for a track meet. I want to train for a football season. And, you know, to quote Chris Ballard from the other day, well, he's Marvin Harrison Jr. He can kind of get away with that. Um, so, yeah, right now, Jaden hmm. Daniels, I listened in on that for just a couple of minutes before I had to come back over here. He is speaking with the media. Caleb Williams coming up at 9 o'clock, Drake May 
a little bit later in this hour. So, uh, again, not earth-shattering by any news. Frankly, who really cares probably if Marvin Harrison Jr. speaks. But Someone will root against we'll Marvin Harrison Jr. not meeting with the media. Some media member will be unhappy. I, I can see his dad giving we'll, him bad advice, <laughs> we'll given unhappy. how much his dad wanted to talk uh, to the media. That's here. the case. All right, let's go on out to the Payless Liquors hotline. Boy, uh, going to be a busy weekend. Greg Rakestraw joins us. Greg, uh, good morning. I, I wanted to go back, uh, and if you have, I apologize, and maybe, KB, you're going to look at me like I'm an idiot. You know, that, that fire alarm that went off there in Bloomington earlier this week, have you have you broadcast through anything like that in your career? And good morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And I'll get to the fire alarm question in a moment, but – you mean to tell me somebody named Marvin Harrison is elusive with the media? I've never lived through that before. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, right? Shocker. You could probably that is where, share that some, is where uh... the age difference between Kevin Bowen is, is wise beyond his years, but this is where our age difference in terms of years <laughs> covering the Colts do, do show a factor because you maybe would get a couple of sound bites from Marvin on Friday. Uh, during the week, and he intentionally wasn't very good at it, so you wouldn't really ask him questions. You have to deal with it, um, and so I'm not surprised he didn't want to talk to the media because he gets that genetically. And frankly, nobody should care. He's still the first player, not a quarterback, that's going to go in the NFL draft right. this year because he's that ridiculously good. As slippery as getting away from defensive backs, Marvin yeah, Harrison Jr. Absolutely. There you go. Now, not the media. Not to be rude to Andy's question. Now I will ask that answer. Answer your question. Um, yes, um, I was broadcasting a game. IUPUI actually won at Georgia Tech back in the days that I was traveling on the road doing the radio for the team. This is December of 2001, and it's amazing when you're the team that's getting a guarantee check to take a butt kicking and you're leading in the second half, how crazy things happen, like the power goes out in the building. It's remarkable, you know, how that works. Uh, and so sure. I didn't have to – he didn't have to evacuate or stop the broadcast. I do think that I had briefly lost transmission as, as things flickered and then it quickly reconnected and after a commercial break came back on. Uh, but even when the lights came on, the Jaguars won that day. And I did check in with John Herrick yesterday and asked him, hey – do you guys have to clear the building as well? And he said no. In other words, they didn't have to. There was not like right. a stop in the in the radio broadcast on Tuesday night. But uh, when you have done as many games as I have, Andy, something has happened at all times during one of those games. Uh, I'm sure. So, Rick, when we start to get Greg Gregstraw with us here, it's sectional weekend in the state of Indiana for the boys. And we've started our shows each of the last few days. Pretty much the first few people that walk into these doors, some order. It's Chris Sims, mm-hmm. it's Charlie Weiss, and it's Solomon Wilcox. Those are the big three that, that, that make the early appearances. So let's just say, uh, let's go with Coach Weiss. <laughs> let's say Coach Weiss comes up to me and says, young lad, I've always had a craving for Indiana high school basketball, never made it to Penn or Mishawaka Marion or wherever back in the day. Give me the sectional spot that I need to go to tonight to watch some ball and get a dog and popcorn. Where are you pushing him towards? I, I think I have an inkling on where you're going to say. Where, where are you pushing him towards tonight around the state? My game is Lawrence North. Uh, that's my doubleheader, uh, which is fantastic. That's number 5, 7, and 11. And the second game is a rematch. They're both rematches from last year's semifinals because the draw was the absolute same, and so far the results have been the absolute same at Lawrence North, what it was at Warren Central. And the second game is a rematch of a one-point game that faces the city champion against the county champion. All right? 
but you're probably going to end up going to either watching my game at Lawrence North or being with me at Lawrence North because if you don't have a ticket to Noblesville, you can't get in because they're sold out already. And that's numbers one, two, three in the state and Hamilton Southeastern, which is a pretty good basketball team as well. So normally I would encourage you – I would encourage you to go to Noblesville, but they are completely sold out. And since Charlie Weiss was kind of a jerk to me, the one interaction I ever had with him, I would encourage him to go to Noblesville, and I wouldn't tell him they were sold out. I would just say, go to Noblesville. Well, I imagine Charlie would be able to get in, right? He'd be able to name drop. Uh, who knows? Uh, name drop? Hey, come you, on. Do you I remember Charlie's record when he was the head coach at Net Notre Dame, Andy? No, I, I think they would say, uh, uh, you turn around, remember, sir. You I go, remember go roughly what up. it was. I'm sure I'm sure Kevin Bowen remembers exactly. By the way, KB, are you watching golf right now? No, you got a multitask here. Is there golf on your screen? Who's playing right now? Of course. Of course. You got is some... that the PGA or is that Liv? Is yeah, that the Liv tour? What did, is that? I did see Anthony Kim shot six over today. And his did he really? Liv he got to wear shorts while he was doing it, at least. Rick, I, I do want to go back to the Noblesville sectional in, in a second, uh, or I, I guess right now. You said one, two, three in the state, and those teams, if uh, you Fishers, Noblesville, Westfield, I mean, these are not teams that, you know, certainly in the last like five to ten years, maybe even longer, we're used to them being kind of, you know, up there perennial powers in the state. It's pretty impressive to see. You know those schools up there after you know probably some some definitely quieter years. I'm probably thinking a little bit more of Noblesville recently, uh, and and you know certainly Westfield prior to Braden Smith's arrival. So to that point, Westfield had never won a boys basketball sectional until two, until two years ago. Uh, they were one of three schools uh, that at one point in time had gone a hundred years of playing in the NCAA or the NCAA, the IHSA tournament and having not won a boys basketball sectional. In the last handful of years, Crothersville and Westfield have both ended those streaks. Shoals is the last member of the Century Club that have played in over 100 tournaments and, and never won a boys basketball sectional. Last year, Noblesville won for the first time in 13 years. They won in 2010. They won last year. Fishers has not won one since they reopened as a high school in 2006-2007. So, and the biggest part of that has been simply Carmel has been so dominant. You know, Carmel had won seven consecutive sectionals up until two years ago. They've now gone three years uh, with getting beat on Tuesday night uh, without having won a sectional championship. Hamilton Southeastern won it in 2014. Carmel had won the couple of years before that. So, you know, Carmel had won 9 out of 10. They didn't exactly leave many for anybody else. So you're right. While these three teams have been atop the polls virtually the entirety of the season, historically in March until the last couple of years, it has not been their domain. It obviously will be this time around. Greg Rakestraw with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, Greg, the uh, bunch of games tonight, obviously, and we'll get to your games here uh, in a second. But, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of games earlier in the week, Tuesday as well. Anything from earlier in the week stand out, whether it be locally right around Indianapolis or out in the state? Anything stand out to you? Any surprises? You know, the, the, the only local surprise, and I put this as a mild surprise just because they were around the 500 team, was Ron Collie getting beat by Franklin Central. You know, Franklin Central is now the only uh, Marion County school that's in the Fishers-Noblesville-Westfield League in, in terms of the Hoosier Crossroads Conference. And, and because of that and playing a stronger schedule, like, all right, they're a better record, better team than the record indicate. Uh, they've got a talented young sophomore, E.J. Hazelwood, who's 6'7". They made a run to get to the Marion County final. They beat Ben Davis and Warren Central in back-to-back games. You're like, all right, 
you know, look for Franklin Central here and Ron Colley got him on the opening night of the tournament. The other site to talk about, which isn't crazy local, not too far away, about an hour from now, or about an hour away, I should say, Mississippi in 3A, which I think is sectional 23. It's a seven-team sectional. They've played three games so far, and all three games have been buzzer beaters. Involving completely different teams. But Tuesday and both games Wednesday, all of them ended (laughs) at the horn with a buzzer beater. Wow, we need someone to mash up the highlights of this. Can I get video of this, Rake? I've actually played in Mississippi. Uh, look look, look up the IHSAA TV account on Twitter and Facebook. They have put them together already. But they, that, that's uh, it's pretty remarkable. And, again, that was a very balanced sectional going into it. Uh, so, uh, so expect more madness tonight and tomorrow uh, up at the home of the Indians. That is awesome. Greg Gregstraw is with us here. Again, it is sectional weekend for the boys, and we are live at the convention center here uh, for the Combine. Indiana State coming up uh, this weekend, right closing out the regular season. Let's play out the hypothetical. They get to the March, uh, Arch Madness final. Let's say they lose on a buzzer beater, and let's say it's Drake. Percentage of chance they would get into the tournament. I know Josh Schertz uh, certainly made a case for it with JMV uh, earlier this week. You know, I think if, if they beat Murray State, and we'll talk more about that game in a second, and they win their first two games, I think they're in. I, I, I know they had a setback with, with losing really? Illinois State and, and at Southern Illinois. I think if they win their next three, and again, they, it's, the, the, the final is not a terrible loss. I think, again, the bubble is frankly weak enough this year where they have a chance to get in. They don't want to run that risk. They want to win their next four games and have to sweat it out for a week whether they're going to make it in or not. But I think in that scenario, if they can win the next three, and if it's, say, Drake or Bradley waiting for them, where it's the other higher-rated teams in the Valley, I think Indiana State could be able to sustain that. I think they'd be going to Dayton to play in, in, in the first four games, but I do think they would have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. I hope that's not the case. Now, Josh Hurts was saying to JMV how uh... – Robbie Avila didn't Avila. play against, maybe it was Bama. Avila didn't play against, I think it was Bama earlier this year in that loss. He brought up Jaden Kent, didn't play in a couple of their Missouri Valley losses. Ooh. I know the committee tries to look into that stuff. To me, it seems a tad complicated. If you've really started to get into, wait, who did you have? Who did they have across a 30-game schedule? How much do you think that really matters? Like, how much do you think the committee is really paying attention to availability reports for all you know thirty games throughout you know all these bubble teams? If if I am the head coach, and I know the committee does a lot of their work here in Indianapolis, and I have a chance to be on Indianapolis radio and make my case for that, I'm doing the exact same thing that Josh Schertz is doing. You damn right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not I sure. I'm not sure. Question. I'm not sure how much they'll listen, but I, I would be politicking in the exact same fashion. It is very much and um, a very explanatory, mitigating circumstance. I get it. I understand it. I do think there would be some consideration to it, but I understand the groundwork that Josh is trying to put down there. Uh, by the way, Greg, uh, I, I tagged you, uh, KB, I tagged you as well. Yeah, I, I'm looking at it right now. Boy, I just watched the first buzzer beater. That was a deep Dude. one here by Belmont. <laughs> so they were down one, they were down two, and they were tied. So they, they had a buzzer they had a buzzer beater, down one, down two, and, and then tied in three straight games. That's unbelievable. The pump fake on the second one's tremendous. Mark, will you retweet this from our show accounts so our listeners can see this? 
While Mark is handling social media, I want to go back to Indiana State for a second. It has nothing to do with the actual quality of play. Um, if I road trip to that game on Sunday with JMB, KB, do you feel I'm cheating on you in any sort of way? Mm. Oh, no, mm. no, no, because I was your first. <laughs> so John and I are going to go to Paradise on, uh, on Sunday mm-hmm. and hopefully oh, yeah. watch Indiana State wrap up their first sole possession Missouri Valley Conference championship in 24 years. Well, who's the big man on campus there? That's JMV, right? Is he the right. big I man mean, on I, campus? I have, I have been around Terre Haute a little bit, and I have some working yeah. knowledge of the ISU campus, but he's BMOC, no doubt. I mean, yeah. my goodness, yeah, he was BMOC. the social director of the Wabash Valley in the early 90s. People stopped cruising the bash to go to John's house parties <laughs> unless you were part of the Pike fraternity. They weren't invited. Everybody else, though, got to go. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very much his wingman if we're going to Terre Haute. So maybe the cleanliness of our visits on the trip might be different if you stop at the house that JMV lived in back in Terre Haute. Uh, back it's rather remarkable day. that 30 years later it's still standing, Kevin, to be frank. It, it really is. That, is. that is honestly one of the greatest <laughs> achievements in mankind. He said he just wanted the if the toilet flushed, he was good to go. So it's a very low Spoken standard. Spoken like a very true yes. college kid right there. Rake, have a beautiful call tonight. Sectional 10 for Greg Rakestraw at Lawrence North. Thank you for the time, my man. When you see Chris Sims walking around, ask how his dinner at Spoken Steel was last night. He literally walked in as I was exiting uh, after a very lovely dinner downtown last night. Spoken Steel, quite the ambiance over there. I I, I will make sure to do that. Thank you, Rake. Top-notch old fashions, by the way, at Spoken Steel. Just word of the wise. Had an old fashioned at Spoken Steel. Craig Rakestraw right there, Payless Liquors Hotline again. Boy, these highlights, all three of them are three-pointers. Dude, it's unbelievable, man. I I love that stuff. How about the pump fake on the second one? Three court storms. No one got hurt. Okay, no one got arrested. Jay Billis, you know, well-executed court storm. Shout-out to the school staff of those schools. Yeah, they did a nice job. Everyone did a good job. Everyone did a good job. So there you go. I know a lot of people will be out and about tonight. Again, that, that scene... And at Sectional 8 in Noblesville, that's already sold out. Oh, that's uh, great. That'll be an absolutely raucous environment up there. I have a few, uh, maybe a few Carmel chants for uh, Carmel not being there that all those teams can universally appreciate. Again, we are live here at the Combine. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Devin on-site engineer, Mark Dighton back in studio. Players starting to make the media rounds. It's a busy day from a quarterback standpoint. I mean, this is this time last year, Andy, I'm thinking to myself, gosh, Anthony Richardson, holy sh... I mean, that dude mm-hmm. is... And of course, this is when he set the combine on fire. I don't know if it, you know, greatly, greatly changed the Colts' minds. It certainly did nothing to diminish their thoughts on Anthony Richardson. Uh, quarterbacks are going to work out tomorrow. Uh, today, you'll get uh, defensive backs and tight ends on the field over there at Lucas Oil Stadium. But that kind of maps out a little bit of the schedule for what to look forward to today at the Combine. Before we get uh, to the check down, one thing I want to, uh, I guess, tease for later on this hour, the NFL potentially might be going away from something. And as a tease, I contend it's a huge deal. Like, you know how baseball talks about going to the automatic, the robots, the automatic strike zone and that sort of thing? The NFL's looking into changing something that I contend is a fiber of who they are. I want to get to that at 830 if we can. And again, some Chris Ballard takeaways. I, I, I will share this. Um, again, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. One of my colleagues texting back and forth on, okay, you know, what were some of your takeaways from it? He was struck by the tight end answer from Ballard and in particular the gushing of 
Jelani Woods mm-hmm. and really feels like tight end is not something that is of significant need. Now, again, Brock Bowers is a very unicornish type prospect. Um, would he be the one that all of a sudden shifts up teams thinking, shift Chris Ballard's right. thinking on that? Like if he's there at 15, you don't think he's going to be there at 15. Now you're sitting there saying, wait a minute, he's available to us. Yeah, and we ne- you know, necessarily right. didn't think this would be the case. I-, I-, I can listen to that, but Andy, I would probably agree again with with my colleague in saying this. I don't think Ballard views tight end as this massive need. Like we've got to address it in a significant manner in some way, shape, or form. I think he's a lot more optimistic, and frankly, and maybe this is stubbornness, but again, he drafted these dudes, wow. round three, four, five, and six. It's a lot of draft capital. And is he going to bail on them? Is he going to all of a sudden you know, make another significant draft investment into that group? I don't get the vibe that he is hungry to all of a sudden make a substantial tight end move. Um, if it's not Bowers, you know, like, you know, what about Dalton Schultz? What about Hunter, Hunter Henry? Some of these other tight ends. I, I don't, I don't necessarily see that. It could be wrong, but right now, I don't, I don't, I, I don't get that vibe. I don't hear that from from Bowers. Yeah, you know, several times with us and in at least one or two other press conferences, you know, he's alluded to. We understand that we don't have. Uh, you know, and he, he immediately goes zero to 100. We don't have a Kelsey, right? He goes to uh, some of the better tight ends, the best tight ends in the game. And I would say, yeah, y- y- you don't, but what do you have, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, so are you not, just because you don't have one of those top guys, are you not going to still try to get one of those top guys? I, I-, I don't know. I, I got to be honest. Plus, you know, you get to this point of the season and general managers, they're not going to tell you the truth anyway. Don't you feel like it's magnified the next eight weeks on the deflection of what is actually what they're actually thinking, what they're not thinking, and everything in between? That's how I view it, at least. I don't know how much to really believe. Well, then but why, why did I, he express regret with wideouts with us? Yeah, why I, did I know. He express regret, I know. You know, a little he bit. He might listen. It might be, it might be clear. He may see. Hey, I put stock into some of these tight ends. Jelani Woods missed an entire season. We think he's going to be pretty good. We like Will Mallory. We think he can be above average. And then we have, you know, on the the lower part of the depth depth chart, like, I don't know if Mo Cox is going to be back. If Jelani Woods and Granson is there and uh, Will Mallory's there. I'm not sure you need someone like Mo Ali Cox. So he might look at that room and say, hey, listen, there is some upside there. This is good enough. We can build out and we need to get better at wide receiver. If we get better at wide receiver, we get a running back who can catch the ball out of the backfield. The tight end position will be enough for us in this offense. That could be one way of looking at it. You know, when he did talk about tight ends specifically, and this goes back to uh, Wednesday at the Combine, not necessarily with us, he did mention, you know, the one attribute at tight end that's particularly hard to find, and I get this with how the college games evolved. You see a lot of bigger wideouts playing tight end. It's to find that blocker, and he labeled Mo Cox as a strong blocker. Right, as that, And again, right. I've brought up Mo before. If you are looking for a cap-saving situation that is relatively easy, easy saves a good amount of money, and you're not taking a guy off your team that's a full-time starter, it would be him. Mm-hmm. It'd be about $5 million in cap savings. But then I hear his answer about blocking and that element of tight end. I think, well, that's not really Will Mallory's game. That's not necessarily Kylan Granson's no, game as an inline not. guy. Then that makes me think a little bit of, you know, there could be – and he has loved Mo Cox. I mean, that is – 
a guy that he brought in and he has always been a huge, huge fan of. So when you put it into that context, I don't think it's an outright slam dunk. Granted, if you start to get into free agency and you start to see, boy, finances are a little bit more complicated, is this a place we could save? Uh, that, 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 that would be high on that list of, okay, that makes sense financially. I just don't think Ballard views him as, as expendable as maybe some others do. Uh, so we'll react to more of those Chris Ballard comments again throughout today's show. Uh, but let's hit a morning check down. All right, morning check down. Pacers tonight back in action uh, on the road. We just saw New Orleans here in Gamebridge. Now the Pacers, a little mini road trip here. 8 o'clock uh, in New Orleans, taking on the Pelicans. What'd you say? About a five and a half point dog. Our Are you Tyrese surprised out. by that? Five and yeah. a half point underdog? I, That's got to be one of the higher ones of the year for the Pacers. Yeah, I, I, I would say so. I, I'm, I'm interested to see, A, how the Pelicans bounce back, you know, getting some rest, and also how Rick Carlisle figures out some of the stuff they were doing uh, with Tyrese Halliburton. So 8 o'clock tonight in New Orleans, 7.30, our coverage beginning tonight on The Fan. Swoosh. Um, The other big news item from yesterday on the hardwood, Caitlin Clark declaring for the WNBA draft. She does that ahead of her senior day coming up this weekend. Boy, it's going to be quite the scene. Iowa City coming up. Uh, on Sunday, I believe it's a noon tip against an Ohio State team that is very, very good this season. So what does that mean for the Fever? It means this. Uh, April 15th, that is a Monday. That will be the WNBA draft. May 14th is their season opener. May 16th is the home opener. Remember, you know, when you look at the WNBA schedule, it really butts up pretty quickly to the end of the you know college season. We had Grace Berger and Lexi Hall in studio from the Fever a couple weeks ago. They mentioned how you know tiresome that first season can be. Oh yeah, got the college season. Yeah, you go run, playing one, right, right in to another. Yeah, to the professional season. So for Caitlin Clark, I mean, we're looking at like two and a half months away from her Indiana Fever debut. Andy, this just checked the box on so many levels. I mean, if you look at a map of the WNBA teams, it's it's one of the closest teams she could have to Iowa City. You think about the market size. You think about the presence of Aaliyah Boston already here. We've talked about her boyfriend works <laughs> for the Pacers. You know, so many levels. This just made sense for her to declare and uh, and obviously join the fever coming up here. Now we'll see if takes any pressure off of a tournament run for her, which is probably the one thing missing from truly stamping uh, one of the greatest resumes you'll ever see from a college standpoint. Yeah, I saw a lot of yesterday. I think it was like it was uh, Darren Ravel got caught up in this, how she's going to be taking a pay cut. I'm like, you, you think her sponsors will will leave her when she goes professional. Right. The Iowa City Guys, Farmer's Market yeah. is going to leave Again, her. Yeah, yeah she's right. not slinging the Farmer's Market corn in Iowa. I think I think Gatorade and Nike and you know, those sorts of sponsors will be just fine with her playing professionally and on national television. I think I read this yesterday. Not a single one of her NIL deals is through the Iowa Collective. Of course. Everything is yeah. you know on a much more of a national scale that will obviously translate to an endorsement level. Be super curious to see what the TV schedule looks like for the Fever when that does come out. Uh, and again, for her and Aaliyah Boston, what a duo now moving forward for the Fever, who really, to be totally honest, they've been uh, certainly a laughingstock in the WNBA here over the last handful of years with all their turnover coaching GM-wise, uh, the inability to win a whole lot. Uh, but they had a nice end to last year's season.
season. And again, the presence of Aaliyah Boss, along with uh, Erica Wheeler and some of those others on their roster, they certainly have an opportunity to get this rebuild full steam ahead. All right, big weekend of college basketball. Purdue hosting Michigan State. That one Saturday night, 8 o'clock on Fox. Indiana at Maryland Sunday at 2 o'clock on CBS. Our coverage on IBC beginning at 1 p.m. And then Butler at DePaul Saturday noon. Indiana State uh, at, uh, not not at hosting Murray State Sunday, 4 o'clock. That's the Rake Straw JMV uh, field trip, if you will. Yeah, I mentioned this earlier in the week with Purdue. I'm excited to see them start to play higher quality teams. I know Michigan, Michigan State. State has certainly That's been very game. up and down, but you know whether it's Michigan State Saturday night, it's Illinois, Wisconsin mm-hmm. to close out the regular season next week. The Big Ten just doesn't have a lot of high quality depth this year to the conference, and Purdue hasn't played a lot of these teams lately. Um, so to get back into that before the Big Ten tournament, I'm um, looking forward to seeing Purdue. Uh, match up against those teams. And if you're Indiana, if you're looking for a road win, hey, there you go. this is it. Maryland is not good yeah, at home this season. Stink. They lost at home earlier this week to Northwestern. They're under 500 at yeah, home in the bad. Big Ten. Are that they really? not Ooh. something you typically see in this conference. So, again, that'll be Sunday. I'm shocked that CBS has not flexed that out of the old 2 o'clock time Can slot. Can they do that? Does college yeah. basketball have the ability to flex? You know you're exactly right. They're like, oh, God. Can you imagine the pregame meetings for that one? Like you're meeting with the coaches. You think but it's going to be a good game. It's Indiana-Maryland. Both teams are playing for absolutely nothing. Do you try to get that recruit? What's Ugh. his name? Derek Queen? Do you try to get oh, him yeah. to sit in on the telecast or something like that? That might be a good idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are live here at the NFL Combine. The media contingent is starting to pick up more and more. Quarterbacks meeting the media, Jaden Daniels, J.J. McCarthy. A little bit earlier, I believe we're about 10 minutes away from Drake May. Taking to the podium, Caleb Williams coming up at 9 o'clock. And as we said a few minutes ago, it sounds like Marvin Harrison Jr. is elected not to do his media here at the NFL Combine. We'll react more to all of that. Chris Ballard's comments, we'll do that here coming up. we got a couple open segments uh, to do plenty of that. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Devin on site, Mark Dykton back in studio. You're listening to Wake Up. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Call here, closing out. All right, so you were exactly right, KB, as we're live here from the NFL Combine. I'm seeing Stephen Holder one minute ago. Marvin Harrison Jr., they've announced, will not uh, come out and talk to the gas bag media. was right. Poor Mike Chappell woke up to come all the way down here, downtown, to see Marvin Harrison Jr. is not even here. Boy. Oh, boy. Sorry, chaps. That's the way it is, man. Big old throng of media right now. Drake May in about five minutes. Caleb Uh. Williams coming up. 
at 9 uh, o'clock. I, Combine really starting to pick up steam. Yeah, it, it really is. More people here earlier in the day uh, than has been uh, the last few. Uh, all right, so several things I, we want to talk about here. You would, have, you would have thought on Gus Bradley and a couple other items uh, emanating from uh, Chris Ballard's conversation with us yesterday and, of course, his press conference the day before. I wanted to bring up, I think this is a huge deal. Like, so the NFL, the Washington Post reported this, and then CBS, uh, Jonathan Jones as well yesterday. You know, Major League Baseball has flirted with the idea of the automatic strike zone. You know, they try different things. They always do this in AA and AAA and those sorts of things. Um, the NFL is, and the NFL this past season tested optical tracking on line-to-gain situations. Essentially, KB, the NFL is looking into technology. Probably will not happen this coming season because you have overseas games uh, and you'd have to outfit all 32 stadiums. But the NFL has at least started now within the last year moving away potentially from the chain gang. It has always amused me, and we just accept it. Uh, you know, we accept it, and, you know, I haven't been yelling and screaming on the radio about it for years, and you've been following the NFL for a long time and being a fan of the NFL. Um, but it is funny in the billions of dollars in the business that, you know, referees and some of them getting up there in age – you know, can tell when a guy's knee is down, where the ball is, and then they mark the ball, and then they wa- then they have to walk in a straight line for 10 yards or 15 yards or whatever it is to spot the ball, and then you got the poor chain gang on the sideline, uh, you know, that's 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 kind of moving up on the side there. The NFL is looking at ways to potentially do away with that marking of the football, the chain gang. How can they do this to where where the ball actually is and the knee is down, that is where the ball needs to be placed. Listen, I don't know uh, how this technology would ever work, but the NFL looked into it this past season. They did some optical training, uh, tracking, if you will, this past season. I would imagine in the next year, this is probably going to be, I think it's a big story. I mean, it's a big difference sometimes, these fraction of inches that cost teams first down, games, uh, and everything else. I think this is a huge deal. I'm not surprised by it, but this is something to watch probably in the next season. Yeah, to me, it seems just kind of like a no-brainer. I mean, this day and age of technology that we're still having, you know, whatever, guys come out in the chain gang at time. And not even just the chains, because, I mean, to be fair, I mean, you really only see what the chains come out, what, once or twice a game, if if that. Yeah, if even that. It's more of just the down-to-down spotting of the football of life. I mean, it's blatant to me sometimes, and oftentimes it happens on the early downs, where there's just a little bit of a... Uh, maybe not as like locked into. Okay, where exactly? Third and one. Oh my gosh, what's the line to gain? Gain. It, it, it's like a first and ten, and all of a sudden, it's like it, they get a six yard gain, and it gets marked four and a half yards. I'm like, well, da- I mean, one and a half yards could be huge here in a couple of downs, and because it's first and ten, we just don't pay a ton of attention to it here. So, uh, I do think it's something that just makes total sense. And I, I again, I don't know how all of a sudden, you know, maybe. 
honestly, it'll probably be pretty quiet. I assume it'll be, you know, whatever. Somebody's up top, and they're in the head ref's ear, or they're in the, um, you know, whatever, the field judge's ear. I'm trying to think of who the official is that's mostly spotting the football. And they just chime into their ear and say, hey, move that back, you know, whatever, uh, 15 inches, something like that, to better accurately uh, the, spot uh, the ball. The company, we can move off this, the, the company is Hawkeye View. They're the ones. The tennis, that, right? The, yeah, tennis and major league ba- and major league baseball. Mm-hmm. I know someone who tracks major league baseball. Uh, they're they're located in Atlanta, and so they're one of the leaders in this. And so uh, I would imagine it would it would be the case. Uh, you know, you're right. Er, early downs, but how many how many times? And listen, this can help. This can help the Colts. Uh, you know, speaking of just here in Indy, but how many times where there's like. Jonathan Taylor goes down. You're like, okay, he's probably because you have a different view. You know, watching if you're at the game and you're much higher up, or of course if you're watching on television. And he goes down, and the ref immediately comes in, marks it a first down, and they move the chains. You're like, I don't know if that was a first down, but everything's so fast. The other coach doesn't want to use, you know, in the second yeah, quarter. It's not worth it. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not worth it. But that is, you know, that could be a big play, right? I mean, there's a big difference if it's now a fourth down or a third and short. Any Thing can happen in football, so I think this is a big deal, and I'm interested uh, in the NFL uh, kind of starting things off. Uh, yeah, listen, I'm interested. It's 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 going to be something next year at the combine. I think we're probably talking quite a bit about. Ask Chris Ballard yesterday about Gus Bradley and what about his scheme is something that he likes. And one of the first things that Ballard said in response to that was he likes the simplicity of the scheme. I I understand there are some benefits to a simple scheme. It helps certainly your young guys get up to speed quicker. It is a nice, you know, benefit to I guess lessening the communication strain on a given play. Um you, you probably feel like your guys are playing a little bit faster. I just think that's kind of a cop-out for a strength answer when you're talking about a defensive scheme. And I say that because this. We're in a day and age, Andy, in the NFL where the offense has so many damn advantages. They have so many built-in advantages. The game is favored to them mm-hmm. from an officiating standpoint. Um, the, uh, the advent of seven-on-seven seven and you know defending guys in space makes it so difficult. You know, quarterbacks are just incredibly skilled. Um, the defense has got to try and do something on their end to create a bit of a hindrance, a bit of a, a resistance to that. And for me, um, I think a way to do that is to be very diverse with what you're doing coverage-wise, look-wise, schematically. You, your week-to-week adjustments can be extremely beneficial. I'll go back to a Manning cast from earlier in the year. I don't think it was earth-shattering stuff from Peyton Manning, but Peyton said, I think it was actually during that, uh, they did that playoff game with with Tampa because he was talking about Todd Bowles Mm -hmm. and he said this type of defense and Bowles defense knows a very exotic pressure defense these are the defenses that I didn't want to face these are the defenses that you face week to week and you're like wait uh, what did they do last week against Carolina what did they do the following week against Atlanta what are we going to see that unknown there that seed of doubt 
Peyton said caused a lot more stress level during the week and preparing for that team. So I, I just I, I can't get on board with simplicity being this great strength of a defense. And last year the Colts benefited big time from playing, you know, all the rookie and backup quarterbacks. That's not going to be the case this year. And we saw what Matthew Stafford did against this, you know, this this defense when, you know, it is simple and you have the ability to slice and dice you and without Cooper Cup and with a banged up Rams offensive line he still was able to have such a big day against the Colts. So that's one element of this defense I just can't get behind in it in it being a strength for this team. Yeah, he, here is the dangerous thing, and I think some Colts fans feel this way. Here is a dangerous thing for me, and, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, and you mentioned this with the free agents, you know, the different free agents, if they bring back their own guys, right? If we're talking about Grover being back and Blackman being back and Kenny Moore, and of course everybody wants Michael Pittman Jr. With Gus Bradley coming back, and listen, I know they have a new defensive line coach, okay? I get that. It feels like this is a team that still missed the playoffs and is is winding it back for another year. Does that make sense? Like, nobody there's no changes here and even though they were close even though they had a great shot against Houston even though they overachieved last year even though they had you know I mean obviously you had the Grover suspension but you had the Anthony Richardson injury even though they had those things go there you know kind of go against them every team has those conversations every year where guys get injured and they have to overcome it. I would say going into this season, my biggest worry for the Colts is, did they look at themselves enough this year and make the changes necessary? Because if Gus Bradley in that defense isn't what it needs to be this year, I feel like you wasted a year. I mean, don't you feel that way? I mean, essentially, KB, they're, go- I mean, they, they, they're rewinding with the same group, you know? I mean, they are. I mean, that defense... Yeah, coaching had, group will obviously see yeah, personnel it had if, some. It had some good moments, but if I, I, I'm with you. Simpli- it's, it, it's interesting. I just don't think simple is like... It, 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 again, if you've got a bunch of young dudes, you know, I, that can make some sense. I, I get, you know, wanting to play a little bit faster, but they, I, I just think in the NFL... The offense has so much going for them, and quarterbacks are too damn smart. You've got to do some things where you put seeds of doubt, and you, whether, again, it's the week-to-week element of, man, I don't even know on film what we should focus on here, or it's the pre-snap seeds of doubt, the disguise that you throw out there. All of that stuff, to me, needs to be on the table for you, and I just, I, I, I'm not a fan of that. You know, that particular description being a big strength of a defensive scheme here. Let me ask you this. Who likes Gus Bradley more, do you think? Ballard or Steichen? In other words, is he he a Ballard guy more so than a Steichen guy? Yeah, I mean, clearly. Steichen didn't move away from him. Right, and I would like to have hoped if he wanted to, he could have done that. Uh, you know, Ballard, I think, has always been a fan of this type of defense. So, you know, I I don't know, maybe a little bit more Ballard. You know, he's always been – and I'm not, like, saying they need to overhaul a four-man front or anything like that. Um, clearly, both of them are big fans of Gus. I, I, I don't get the impression that either of them, um, you know, it's, oh, that's your decision. That's not my decision. That's not how I would view this 
at all uh, with with where they're at. Uh, yeah. So I was going to say one combine thing to note. I'm, I'm looking here on Twitter. Ian Rappaport uh, reporting within the last 10 minutes uh, that the combine medical evaluation doctors found that Alabama corner Kool-Aid McKinstry. Now, this is a name. This is one of those guys that mock drafts have had him going to the Colts. Not not many of them. Terion Arnold is the other corner there at Alabama. And I would say right now, more of the mock draft people would have Terion Arnold uh, going to the Colts there at 15. Uh, but the other one, he's an All-American. Kool-Aid McKinstry has a Jones fracture in his right foot. Uh, he's not going to work out, obviously, this week in Indy. Uh, he hopes to do so at his pro day. Then he'll go get surgery and get it fixed. It would be an expectation that he would be 100% by training camp for whoever takes him. But, you know, that's obviously a kid dealing with an injury, and he's a first-round talent. Yeah, big part of Combine Week, of course, the medical evaluations. Right now we are live at the convention center, about 15 minutes away from Caleb Williams meeting the media. More on the Chris Ballard takeaways from us. Caitlin Clark to the fever. A lot to get to here as we close things out from the combine. It is the wake-up call here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. All right, live from the NFL Combine. You know, one thing we should give a shout-out to is uh, KB just sits down, so we're going to see if he got any. It was Caleb Williams over there? Because I know Mark Dykton wants a photo of him. He's coming up, Mark. Is he coming I, I up? Will, okay. About five minutes, Mark. Yeah, I'm excited. Deliver you. I'm excited. We'll have to send Devin over there. So we'll have to send somebody over there uh, to, to, to snap a photo. Uh, real quick, we need to give a shout-out. You see Scott Pollard leaving the hospital yesterday. Awesome, thirteen awesome days. Not uh-huh. even, not even two weeks after uh, his heart transplant. Dude's over seven foot. He's a massive human being. Uh, Scott Pollard ringing the bell uh, and leaving the hospital thirteen days after a heart transplant. That's unbelievable stuff. Yeah, that it really was, is. See his emotion too. Oh, it's like chilling. Yeah, uh, man. I know his wife Dawn's been giving a ton of updates there. So, uh, best of Scott Pollard. Keep the fight up, man. Yeah, Rock chalk, he would love for me to say. No, probably. look at you. You ever been to? Uh, you ever been to see a game there? I have not. I've no, heard no, it's. No. I, Indiana played there. What was it? Was it last year? The, yes, was it the year uh-huh. before? Was yeah, it last, last year? year? Yeah. Uh, that that did not go so well. Even though they Xavier Johnson got injured in that game, did he not? Correct. I believe that was the infamous foot injury. That's yeah. what. That's what I thought. I had a couple buddies who actually went up there for that, and they uh, they figured IU uh, was going to lose quickly. Any thoughts, college basketball wise? I know Purdue this weekend. We've been talking about how we just can't wait for them to go play some better teams, uh, hosting Michigan State. Michigan State is a desperate team. They're one of the more underachieving teams in my estimation. Before the season, everyone had them written in as a one seed or a two seed or something like that. But if Michigan State were to win uh, there in Mackey, you would think that would put them in a good spot to make the tournament. And then Indiana and Maryland, I guess we'll see if the feel-good follows over to one more game. Game, uh, as Maryland's not very good uh, as well. I did see Ohio State, you know, has won some games here recently. Ohio State maybe has put themselves back on the bubble, perhaps. Is that real life? I, I, I think they're approaching the bubble. How does that sound? They're not on the bubble, but they can see the bubble in the distance, which is more so than maybe three weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, what? Purdue's on the verge of clinching the Big Ten, aren't they? Is it just one more win? I think I think their magic number is one, yeah. So if they beat Michigan Saturday. State yeah. coming up tomorrow night, then that, that should be a great environment oh, inside of Mackey, a Saturday night. Oh. Yeah, I guess that was the Indiana game, right? Wasn't that a Saturday night game? Yeah. 
uh, back a few weeks ago there. So, you know, again, I've said this several times throughout the week. I'm looking forward to Purdue playing a little bit better competition, a little bit more NCAA tournament type of competition. You know, rematches against Wisconsin and Illinois next week. I think that will be interesting. They did not see Terrence Shannon, I think, in the first meeting between those two teams. Yeah, I think he was suspended, was uh, he not? You know, that'll be something, of course, to keep an eye on. As well. And, you know, when you get to March 1, like I'm already ready. I, I don't think we're contractually allowed to do this, but I'm like, give me the CBS theme music. Give, oh, me, yeah. the, give me the old school oh, March yeah. Madness theme music. Yeah. I, I'm like ready. I hate that it's a later start to the tournament this year. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, well, let's get to it. Come on yeah. now. Like, I, I feel like some years we've had Selection Sunday is like March 12th or March 13th. I'm like, it's a little bit later this season. And there we oh, go. Mark, are you allowed to? Oh, man. Makes you, like Pavlov's dog, makes me drool Now thinking uh, about it. Not to, uh, like, that sounds beautiful, but the old school one, you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. yeah. Really sounds beautiful. I mean, that is like, that's heavenly. Remember, that's like, remember, remember, you, you want to try and make a kid tonight, play that. Oh, boy. Well, remember, remember uh, I think Whoa. it was Jennifer Hudson. Poor Jennifer Hudson. Remember when they, when they switched up the one shining moment that one season? And they, you remember Luther that? Luther like, Vandross, right? Yeah, it was like six, seven years ago. They switched up the one, the one shiny moment. It did not go over well. I'm forgetting who even won the national title. You got golf on. Who's where are they playing golf? It looks beautiful there. I know it does it's, look beautiful. It's were they in Hawaii or something? Or are yeah. they out in Arizona? Yeah, a couple financial bets that I'm trying to make sure I can okay. see through here on this Friday what? morning. Oh, there it is. You know the worst year of Selection Sunday was remember when they announced the teams alphabetically? Oh, yeah. Hey, well, Instead that, of just the bracket? Was that the year that it leaked? Someone's like, to hell with I this think and it, it leaked? Oh, well, and Notre Dame was on the bubble. I wanted to just, I wanted to kill CBS. Well, they tried, what they tried to do is, remember they tried to, they tried to stretch it out for two hours, announcing the bracket. That was it. Instead, yeah, of announcing, instead of announcing the bracket and then analyzing the bracket and going around the country. I was cussing and, Gumble out. Well, you should have been. What, what do you make of Rakestraw thinking... Yeah, I if Indiana State just gets to the final of Arch Madness, they're in. I, you know what I think on this. I, I you think he's an idiot, I, right? I I, I, I kind of disagree with Rake. I, I think they are going to need to are going to need to win. I I mean, do you see the Missouri Valley getting two well, teams in? I, I just the issue with Indiana State is to the big guy. It always goes to the big guy. The 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 issue with Indiana State is more of uncertainty for me right now, Andy. And by that, I mean this. They're in all these brackets because mm-hmm. they're the automatic qualifier. So you right don't now. know where so actually I don't really they are. Know where exactly. they're at exactly. In terms of the, again, I would think the fact that not only they don't have the marquee win, but they also had the bad loss. I know Illinois State's played a little bit better, but still, that is not a good looking loss by any means on that resume there. Um, and it's not like they would, you know, pick up another what quad one or quad two. No. I, I don't know. Maybe one of those wins would be quad two if it's a neutral site game in Arch Madness. Um, I get that Josh Schertz is trying to play up that car. You know, I believe his phrase at JMV the other day was, uh, you know, hopefully we uh, win Arch Madness and improve our seed. And improve our you know? seed. Right. And I'm like, man. Well, I hope they make He's it. already got the lingo down of like, yeah, we don't need to get the automatic bid. Well, we are in the tournament. It's simply to improve our seed here. You potentially help them. I mean, they're right next in the net to Wake Forest. Really? I mean, I, you know, and again, I, I say that because KB's a Notre Dame fan and Notre Dame just beat Wake Forest. But, I mean, they're still a top 30 team in the net is Indiana State. I mean, that's the thing, if you look at it, that gives you hope. In the end, they probably, probably are going to end up 
have beaten zero or maybe one other team that's in the tournament is kind of what I'm looking at. And I get it's tough for a mid-major to it's impossible. You know, build the great yep. quality win looking resume. That net rating is all honestly something that's really helped them out. I mean, that, that's something that has you know given them, I think, a little bit more on the resume because they don't again have the great wins or they also have that bad loss. All right, Mark, I'm going to go get your Caleb Williams picture. All right, here okay? we go. Mark, do we do we have Jim Nagy on the other side, or is I imagining things? Uh, n- not yet. We're, we're he's okay. he's TBD. Nine o'clock hour. We'll get back into some of those Chris Ballard comments. A couple of them certainly stood out to me from yesterday and also more on Caitlin Clark declaring for the WNBA draft. And that means Indiana Fever, number one pick. Hello. We are here. Final uh, final hour of the week at the NFL Combine from the Convention Center. It is the wake-up call. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. All right, so we're back at it. KB and Andy, wake-up call. We're on the fan. One more hour to go. Appreciate everyone having us here uh, out at the NFL Combine. I don't believe JMB is going to be out here. Query and company coming your way uh, at noon. KB is back now. I don't know if he was able, Mark. Uh, did, did, you get, did you get the picture of Caleb Williams it, uh, to send say, to him? Don't, don't come back. If you didn't get it, don't come back. Yeah, oh, I got it. To Trust hell with me. you. I, I, I knew I was up against it, and I knew I was probably going to be about a <laughs> 30 seconds or a minute late. Oh, you're but, fine. You're fine. Um, was it as big, was it as big of a madhouse as it appears to be from the pictures oh, i'm seeing you already know it was so mark go ahead and check out my my twitter i did a three picture tweet oh, here, okay let's uh, see starting here. with Jaden daniels from Ooh. earlier this morning drake may from a little bit later okay. and then last mark's guy caleb williams and it look, looks like a little smile for caleb williams. oh good 
at the podium here as currently that circus is happening on the other side yeah. of it, the I swear to you. Here. It's beautiful, it's Kevin. Good, well done. Good job. Yeah, so you go to KB's account, but anyone who follows the combine, and I don't mean this to denounce the combine, but if you're one of those media gas bags, like you're not getting a question to Caleb, and you can't hear him. Well, that was and, me last year yeah, with C.J. Stroud well, you, you and Bryce Young sure, and sure. Will Levis and Anthony sure. Richardson. But I mean, you have to camp out. So did, did you did you camp out? Because if not, you're not going to get a question. And if you're five feet away. They don't have the speakers loud because the guys are all sitting next to each other. So you can't hear anything, and then you can't hear any of the actual questions that are there. I did find it interesting. Caleb Williams didn't go through the medicals at the Combine. So you have Marvin Harrison, who's not working out, who's not doing anything at the Combine, not even meeting with the media. Uh, He was supposed to meet with the media about 40, 45 minutes ago. He didn't do that. And then you have Caleb Williams, uh, who obviously isn't throwing, isn't working out. He also is like, peace. I'm not doing the medical stuff uh, as well. Mark, I think your pivot needs to be, you want the Bears to take Jaden Daniels. Is that it? That's what Dan Orlovsky said. That is what uh, Orlovsky said. Now, Ryan Pohl said earlier in the week, Bears GM Mark, that they want to, if they're going to trade Justin Fields, they will do it before the start of free agency. Uh Was that what he I mean, that's what what I've been saying, too, that you want to have as many suitors as possible to try to up the value and everything like that. So before guys like Kirk Cousins or maybe Russell Wilson gets released in Denver, you know, you you want to have as many options as possible. So I I could totally see that the move this year is to move Justin Fields and uh, see what you can get from him and everything like that. So I've already seen the Falcons are heavy, heavy favorites Mm. to land him at like minus 425 is I put a value play on the Steelers. We'll see if that happens. But Ooh, it, it, value play. It, it seems I like, like it seems like that move is going to happen sooner than later, and I would fully expect it to happen before free agency opens. Uh, Caleb Williams, and again, this is from people in the scrum over there. The Bears were seven and ten, or seven and ten last year, and that's pretty good for a team with the number one pick. A really good defense. It's pretty exciting if you can go to a situation. Like that, so I, I need to give Caleb Mark Williams credit. not shine away no. from any Bears-related questions. I need to give I need to give uh, Mark credit. I did see the Eberflus beard. It's pretty uh, glorious. Right. It is. It, oh, okay. It, well, I'll, I'll take your guys' word for it. You didn't see the Eberflus beard? I mean, you've been out here for three days, KB. You haven't seen the Eberflus beard? Maybe I just have what no comment doing? on the beard. <laughs> I mean, he Why looks like he we, got a, a full makeover. Like, he's he's svelte. He's got a beard now. His hair's yeah. a little different. He, he got a makeover. I think his wife and daughters were like, you've been in the, in the office too long this season. You need to get some pampering done. Well, see, that, that's the thing. That's the thing. In the offseason, they could actually live like human beings. During the football season, they're miserable people. Did you think Chris Boward was a tad terse yesterday? I know you haven't had like a ton of Ballard interactions, but what what did you make of well, was, that interaction? I was over here playing good cop, so I don't know. Uh, I'm kidding. I, 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 here's what I think. I think Ballard is a competition maniac like these guys are, and and he knows that he's going into year eight and hasn't won anything, right? I mean, we talk about that. Doesn't win the division, has won a playoff game, was so close this year. And, and, and I, think it, I think it has to weigh on him. Does it not? I That's this, my view of it. Uh, I could be a little bit premature with this. I think the seat's a little warmer than people think. Okay. 
And, and, I, I, think and I think he he feels, feels that. that. And again, a lot of people could be in the cars right now and be like, well, no bleep or about time, sure. all of that. But, you know, I, I think there was an assumption that, you know, once all of a sudden it got reset with Steichen, got reset with Anthony Richardson, that, boom, he'd be smooth sailing for multiple years. And, and That's I, how I viewed it. Yeah, I honestly think. And, and last year, again, it was much better than obviously people thought it would be. And even, you know, I was more optimistic than most with seven wins, and they still won more than that. Um, I think I think the seat's just a tad warmer than, again, maybe a lot of people believe heading into the season. And maybe that's where some of it comes from. By no means, I think he was like standoffish or, you know, Mm. certainly there are questions I knew he probably wouldn't entertain. And there are others I thought he really did entertain. Uh, I just got the vibe that, you know, he's a guy that understandably is feeling a bit heading into year eight, as, you know, he should, to be frank, when you look at the look at the resume. I did this exercise a few weeks ago. I won't, you know, maybe I'll save the info for a future show. But, you know, Andy, if you look at the GMs hired right around Ballard that are still around, you know, the John Lynches of the world, the Brandon Beans in Buffalo, uh, Brian Gutenkunst with the, with the Packers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of Chris Greer in Miami. Um, I know there's some others that I'm, that I'm forgetting. Brett Veach, of course, with Kansas City. I mean, if you look at their resumes, it, it's it's insane how much more success they have had than Ballard. And so, you know, when you just simply look at the the the, the facts, the the numbers of that, how would you not feel some of that heading into this 2024 season? Yeah, it, it can't always be. Well, this happened or that happened, and that's why you know we didn't win the AFC South. That is why you know we didn't make the playoffs. I, I think something as well that weighs on Ballard. You know, we talked so much about. Uh, we were talking with uh, with Matt Taylor about this yesterday, KB, and that is, you know, 365 days ago, this was a much different discussion around the Colts. They were bad and they were boring, right? Uh, now, if you fast forward that a year, you feel like they have some young players. You feel like you bring back a guy like Michael Pittman Jr. You feel like, hey, we got a quarterback who is not bad and boring, who is very explosive, who is a dynamic player, who can, you know, lead this franchise and be the face. They have a coach who I think is uh, very well respected, who is very well liked. I think you got to feel that the uptick on Shane Steichen is going to be good, but you have to look also around you. The AFC South isn't a pullover or isn't a pushover anymore. You know, while he has been the GM, you have now seen perhaps Jacksonville, you know, listen, I know Jacksonville. I, I was not in love with the Jags last year, um, but, you know, I mean, they, they made the postseason going into last year. They were a darling uh, to go deep in the AFC picture in the playoffs. So if you feel like they're a playoff team and the Houston Texans, I mean, the Houston Texans, what potentially they might be, you know, if you're Jim Ursay and you're the Colts, you're like, well, wait a minute. You know, they, they've been terrible. They've been they, they picked before us. Uh, last year, how were how they able to go into the postseason, come into your building at the end, win the game that matters, win the AFC South, and then go blow out uh, the Cleveland Browns, a team you lost to earlier in the year? I, I think the ascension of C.J. Stroud in the Houston Texans is something else that is on the plate and has to be on the mind of uh, of Chris Ballard. Do you not? I mean, you're looking at a team. They're the darlings of the AFC right now. They're one of them. It's them. It's the Houston Texans. 
Mark, can you play that uh, clip? Uh, this is Ballard yesterday, and again, you know, asked about the lack of success, and I think the answer that he gave is certainly a 180 from the answer that we often go back to, and that's the opening press conference answer on it's not about one guy. You hear the answer yesterday certainly mm-hmm. sounds different than that. Like either you get it done or you don't. I'm not going to sit here and ever – the easy thing would be to make an excuse and look at the end of the day – not getting the quarterback position right has hampered it. And that falls on me. I don't fall on anybody else but, but me. And it's something that, you know, you you learn and you grow from. Uh, I think we've done good with Anthony. Now, I think time will play out. Play out. Um, but my failures in that space and with a, with a position that's so important, um, you have to get that right. You have to have a guy that – that can that can actually you know lead you and make plays in critical moments. Um, that's the great separator in our league. I think you see it every year in the playoffs. I think you see it with teams that really excel and go forward. They have a guy at that position that you know when the game's on the line or when there's there's real leverage points in the game where you need to make a play, he makes a play. Again, a much hmm. different tone from that opening presser of it's not about one guy back in January of 2017. Um, I would add, and the follow-up I had to him, Andy, is it was obviously what about you know, premium positions as a whole, not mm-hmm. just quarterback. You, know, right. you think about wideout, you think about left tackle, you think about corner, D-end. Again, him and I would differ a little bit on that. Um, but I did think that was a pretty real answer from Ballard, something that he hasn't necessarily gone all there about quarterback before. And you know, I remember sitting in this very room, you know, five years ago when the Colts had their first combine without Andrew Luck, and they sat there with the 13th overall pick. And you know, what, what would they do? How would you handle quarterback now moving forward? And whether it's passing on Jordan Love, passing on Jalen Hurts, electing to trade for Carson Wentz, not being serious entertainers of Matthew Stafford mm-hmm. in that trade situation, you know, opting for Matt Ryan. I mean, you know, all of those short-term Band-Aid answers that didn't work out, that's obviously why, you know, you are in the position that you are now of having to reset things. And, and, and now, again, you're on the right path, in, in my opinion, unquestionably, but it took a long time to get there post-luck retirement. Yeah, I, I, I would say the one thing I'm critical, that I would be critical of here, and, and this is not, this is more, I guess, of an Ursay thing, is I, I, I guess I have a little bit of trouble sitting here and putting Ballard on a hot seat, not because I'm sucking up to Ballard, but you just let him pick your new head coach and quarterback, <laughs> right? Like, doesn't it feel like if 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 there was that, you know, frustration that was there, I'm not sure. And, again, you can always replace the coach. You can always draft Man, or you know get how, another you know quarterback. You know how NFL business goes. I, I, I understand, but you just let him do it. Right. I so, mean, you know, what gives? And then how the hell did Mike Vrabel get – get fired like I just stuff happens that don't necessarily add up to how I think business 101 should be run in the NFL I mean to me I I think you tie GMs and head coaches at the hip Mm -hmm. I think that helps 
solve a lot of the complications of you know people throwing other guys under the bus or just the awkward nature of wait a minute who made that call you know wait wait, wait Steichen uh, is he under a new GM is mm-hmm. he not you know the, the, those things just can get a little bit murky with all of that but you know certainly for the first time and you know I, I we said this before he uh, popped on with us yesterday Andy I mean it's year eight of him as GM yesterday for the first time in year three we didn't ask or need feel the need to ask tons and tons of quarterback right. related questions right. and that is a huge 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 thing for this franchise moving forward and it should give fans certainly uh, you know just a just a piece almost that now there is some real real hope at that position certainly a lot of things still need to be checked on the Anthony Richardson box but there's a there's actually some real hope of long, long-term success. You know, this is me from the outside, and, and you obviously following the team much, much closer uh, the last several years. I understood the Phillip Rivers move, right? I understood it. I'm not saying, uh, you know, I, you know, being a Giants fan, they were dealing with the end of Eli Manning, and they just kept giving Eli Manning opportunity after opportunity. And Phillip Rivers had more in the tank at that point uh, than Eli did. And so I understood the Phillip Rivers conversation. It was right there, again, the postseason, right there uh, on the cusp and everything. The ones that I – and this is not revisionist history, okay? Uh, I, I never understood the Carson Wentz and the Matt Ryan stuff. Those are those were two that I never understood from afar what you were going. I was never a Carson Wentz fan. Okay, I understood he had the one good year uh, in Philly, so I didn't understand thinking that he was going to resurrect anything. And then I just thought Matt Ryan was about done. Right, I thought Matt Ryan had very, very left in the tank, and obviously he did. And and those are the two things uh, that that set a franchise back when you don't when. When you're going year to year with a quarterback, there's nothing behind him that's coming up through the grapevine, uh, if you will, and you hope that you have that with Anthony Richardson. You really we have, have Matt Ryan. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. That sums up that entire era. Um, I did want to share what I thought was my favorite Ballard comment okay. from yesterday, and it was kind of late in an answer uh, on Anthony Richardson because if you go back to – you know, about a month and a half ago, hell, it's almost two months now, and talking about the need to get more explosive this offseason, I wanted to ask, you know, Chris, that question of, okay, when you say that, certainly Anthony Richardson brings an element of that big time, much different than Gardner Minshew. Is that it? Is there more that you need to do outside of your building on that? And, and you got to listen closely here. Okay. But again, his description on the type of weapon he would like to add fits exactly what I'm thinking. Well, unequivocally, I think the, the quarterback's going to help. I think it showed when he was when he was in the game. Um, you know, his. I mean, like, I thought one of the really cool, and it sucks that we didn't finish it out, but the but the Ram game. I thought, like in the second half, I you know you we play like crap in the first half, and and credit to the Rams. I mean, they kicked us. I mean, excuse me, they kicked the crap Mark, out dump, of us. Dump that, Mark. Yeah, please, thank yeah you. scratch that one out. They they kicked the crap out of us in the first half, but the explosives that he was able to create in the second half was really fun to watch. But when you have, like, it's the one thing about like Jonathan Taylor. Like Jonathan can turn a a one, two-yard run into a 40, 50-yard run. Having, you know, making sure we we add another 
element to the offense that's really good after the catch that can create the play that's not not there. Again, right there. Mm-hmm. That yards after catch element, you know, it's certainly something I've said to you now for several oh, weeks. Oh, you've, you've harped on it. That's yeah. the type of ingredient that I think you need. It helps alleviate pressure off of your quarterback, off of your offense in general of, okay, here is a guy just singly, singularly as an individual player, you give him the football in a very high percentage situation, you know, screen, simple pass, jet sweep, you know, whatever that is, and then he goes and makes the play with that, that can be absolutely huge. It's why when we've had Dane Brugler and Daniel Jeremiah with us this week, I've asked them specifically, who are the yards after catch guys in this class? So that to me was one of the most encouraging things I heard from Ballard. So you, you think Ballard followed? You think Ballard ahead, Mark, referencing sorry. that Rams game? Uh, Puka Nakua might have might have stuck him in his craw a little bit. That that guy torched them. Gosh, he did, God, he was just he? great, wasn't he? Uh, How about that play? So, so if you went and you haven't followed Malachi Corley, he's the Western Kentucky guy who's I, the I, yak king. Yeah, I, you I, have I, not. I've done some Corley homework there. You've done and, some Corley and, homework. And there okay. are some Debo Samuel elements okay. uh, to to him. So, yes, that is, a, that okay. is a player that I am very intrigued by. A Dallas Turner at 15, Malachi Corley at 40, what are they, 47, 46, something like that in the second round. I would be a very happy individual. You and I agree. We're both of us are edge round one, wide receiver round two. Do we both feel that way? That's how I feel. Yeah, if I'm gonna go probably off of positions, you know, I, I I'm not going to rip anything from a pass catching standpoint in round one. I mean, I I, I no, that's. That would not be a path that I would go down. But what if they went um, wide receiver? Yeah, I, I mean, mean Brian Thomas, the LSU kid. Because at the end of the day, Andy, the overall theme of the offseason has got to be supporting Anthony Richardson atop the list. I mean that, and I I just can't get mad at moves that directly support him in a significant manner. Um, now I think pass rusher means so much in the NFL that I put it right up there. And again, the reason why I say that over pass catcher in round one is the scarcity of the position and just the lack of depth that that position has compared to wide receiver. Uh, but I would not, no, I, I I would not totally just, you know, sit here on whatever Friday morning, right. April 26th, if they take a wide out at 15 and be like, that's yeah, the dumbest thing in the world, <laughs> rely on the depth, blah, blah, blah. No, if it's supporting your franchise quarterback, hell yeah. Uh, let's get an update from Mark Dighton. Now, we have been kicking around. Mark, you've been trying to track down Jim Nagy, mm-hmm. who is the Senior Bowl Executive Director. Do we think we're going to have him on? Uh, how have your conversations been? He's at a breakfast this He's morning. He's at a league NFL office breakfast. breakfast. So I would say his oh, priority for us uh, is a little lower <laughs> on the uh, breakfast <laughs> table today. Uh, I've still reached out, but I, I, I'm not confident. I don't know. By, by the way, you guys, I'll, I'll whisper just in case. They have, they have, because I'd imagine this guy gets a lot of um, requests this week, not only from us, but from everybody else. The the NFL, you know, you get on the chain, the email chain here because we're at the combine, so our, they have all of our emails and everything. They have sent out a blast every day, twice a day. Mark, you probably have got these that Ian Rappaport was going to be available at, at like 11 a.m. today. 
to get up on the podium and answer all of the media gas bag who have been asking to get some time for me and Rappaport. And this morning, did you see they put out an email canceling that at 11 a.m. today? Is there, an, <laughs> is there a JMV joke in there somewhere? Uh, oh, man. It would have been funny if JMV got the only like local gas bag. He was the only local gas bag to get an interview with Ian Rappaport. So that they have been publicizing that, Mark, for four days around here. And this morning, about an hour ago, they sent an email. Yeah, that's going to be canceled at 11.15. Sorry about that. I have like, seen that. I think but we'll yeah. live. I, yeah, I'm not I think we'll live. <laughs> All right, coming up in a few, it is a freebie Friday for the pop quiz. The 317-239-1070 for that. We will also touch more on the Caitlin Clark situation and her declaring for the WNBA draft, which means the Indiana Fever know what they will do, number one overall coming up on Monday, April 15th. Before all of that, let's do morning check down. All right, yeah, your morning check down. Let's get to a Pacers in action tonight. A couple nights after beating New Orleans, they get the Pelicans uh, in the Big Easy. 8 o'clock, our coverage here on the fan beginning at 7.30. I believe you said, what, a five-and-a-half point dog are the Pacers tonight. Interested to see uh, how Tyrese Halliburton responds and if they can beat the Pelicans twice in three nights. It's about Aaron Neesmith. You know, it seems like we've been a little bit in a waiting pattern there. I mean, Andy, if he doesn't play tonight, that's going to be two-and-a-half weeks yep. of time that he's missed. Again, tonight it's an 8 o'clock tip. Sunday it's Victor Webb and Yama. You'll do the Texas uh, shuffle there. San Antonio and Dallas coming up Sunday and Tuesday. Did you see Webb and Yama's stat line last night? Uh, I know you said it earlier. I, I know it's gaudy. He had the game-winning shot, too. 28 points, He's 13 good, rebounds, 7 assists, 5 blocks. Mm. That rivalry, mm. him and Chet Holmgren is going to be a fu- – like, those two don't like each other. And that dates back to USA-France stuff. Yeah, well, I know who I'm taking in that. Did you that see is, that block it, he had on Holmgren yesterday? He just, like, palmed it. Yeah. and just, I mean, he barely got out of his hands. And to be fair, Chet's been really good this year. Oh, he's been good, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, there are some people that think if Joel Embiid's not playing for Team USA, like, Chet should be sure. on – Team USA, and that would only, of course, add to it with the Olympics in Paris coming up here later this year. Remember, uh, Victor Webinyama's played against Indiana once this season. It was a season-low shooting percentage. He was 3 of 12 in that game. So, again, that's coming up on Sunday. All right, shifting gears to college basketball from this weekend. Uh, up in West Lafayette, Purdue, after a week off, just like Michigan State, they will be hosting the Spartans. That is an 8 o'clock tip. Is that Fox? Fox nationally. Uh, Purdue, yes. Fox nationally, 8 o'clock on Saturday. IU will be CBS nationally, 2 o'clock at Maryland. Mentioned this earlier. Maryland has been awful at home this year in the Big Ten. They they are 4-5 and at home in the Big Ten Conference. You do not see that. It's not like Maryland is a – I mean, they're not very good. But, you know, it's not like, what, they have eight wins on the entire season or anything like that. So we'll see if Indiana can string it together. What, you got to go back to December the last time Indiana's won back-to-back games? Does that sound right? Oh goodness! Yeah, they, yeah, they haven't done it in count. They haven't done it in Big Ten play, have they? I can't think of a time they've done it. No, they did it to start Big Ten play, right? Didn't they win their first two Big Ten games? That's probably Iowa it. Yeah. And Maryland. That's probably it. If you go way back to the start of December, good for there, you remembering so. that. I'm trying to remember December basketball for IU, and I think I've just put it out of my mind. <laughs> if I'm being honest, uh, very smart on your end again. Of course, locally, boys sectionals. Underway, big semifinal and finals coming up this weekend. So safe travels to everybody around the state. Checking those out. Should be some awesome, awesome environment. 
Yeah, the only other thing I have, Butler and DePaul Saturday. That one's a new matchup on Fox Sports 1, and you mentioned it. Uh, JMV will be honored. He'll be in the house there. Indiana State hosting Murray State. That one Sunday at 4 o'clock. I love these Penix videos. Right now I'm seeing these Michael Penix oh, videos yeah. of him throwing in the convention center. Um, it's oh, wow. funny. The other day I was <laughs> asked to stop walking so – uh, one of the trainers could have his client run the 40-yard dash Oh, upstairs. I like that. Who was it? Do you have any idea who it was? Uh, gosh, what was his number? It was a linebacker. I, I, I didn't look too, too closely, but the client or the, the, the trainer was very pleased. Yeah, okay. He was good to go. That. It's funny, though. I mean, we're in this – you know, I think a large part of our – listening audience has been in this convention center before of course there's tons of space in here but it's just funny to all of a sudden you walk around a corner and oh, guys yeah. whipping footballs around yeah. and yeah. literally doing their testing you know a hotel room you, only, you, know, you can't throw a football 30 yards even yeah. like a you know a hotel fitness center yeah. you know that's not obviously super conducive to that so uh, Michael Penix got an opportunity tomorrow. So you're, so Michael Penix isn't working out while you're doing a radio show like you did in uh, in what was it, Florida? Did you guys oh go gosh, to I totally where you did it that. in the you did it in the weight room? God, that was so embarrassing. <laughs> Maddie was oh, stop. Appalled. Oh, stop. You've done you've done more embarrassing things than that, or at least you will. Maddie was appalled. It's like, what are these people thinking of you as you sit over there in the oh, corner just talking you're, sports? They're dudes. These dudes are up at like uh, eight no, a.m. Yeah. They know what you're doing. You're talking sports on the radio. Come we had, on. We had some chicks in there as well. Oh, did you? They're well, looking at me like nine one one. That's a very quick dial for <laughs> me. All right, uh, pop quiz. Speaking of dial three one seven two three nine ten seventy. It is time for the pop quiz. Freebie Friday. Give us a call on that. Uh, we'll do that and I'll hit a little Caitlin Clark before we round things out here on a Friday from the Combine. Life is full of things to manage: your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta Ofatumumab twenty milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. All right, have you read over the pop quiz here, KB, on a freebie Friday? I have not, but before we get started with the pop quiz, I do want to give a pop quiz shout-out to listener Preston, okay? Okay. So I, 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 w- I want to make sure I have this right. Preston was a former Northwestern women's basketball coach and mm-hmm. was part of the scout on Caitlin Clark several years ago. And okay. I think I have this right. I believe it's the last time, maybe the only time, she's had a single-digit performance. Oh, wow. Her. So he's the stopper then. He, yeah, he uh, is Preston. the okay. stopper. Correct. So right. shout-out to Preston. Him. He wanted us to sneak that onto the pop quiz. <laughs> I told him Scotty is a steel trap, and there is nothing you can do to get around 
that whatsoever, but I did I did want to make sure I stuck yeah, that. It was yesterday or the day before uh, we had the Mississippi Valley State Correct. answer yeah, uh-huh. where they were the last D1 men's basketball team to win a game. They're like 1-27 now on the season. And we kind of, you know, Joe, did they storm the court? And he texted us as we were going off the air, basically. Yes, they did storm the court. You got to go look at the storming of the court. Oh, is it epic? Oh, in the, in the two guys calling their game, they're like, shout out to the coach. We won a game. Storm the court. Like, they're having, like, a great time with I it. I love it. They're having a great time. I love about college athletics. <laughs> Never take this away, people. Oh, And goodness. Jay Bellis wants to arrest them all. Like, he should have just rounded up the kids and arrested them all, you know. That would have been, that would have been fantastic. That is the dumbest comment do, do we heard. get a storming of the court? We should have looked at the uh, slate of games this oh, weekend. Oh, hell yeah. We're going to get there, a storming. Is there Notre a Dame should have stormed after they beat Wake Forest the other night. Who do the Irish have this weekend? Uh, Clemson. Ugh. Devin, Gosh, that, you said that so, De- so, Devin, that, so disgusting. There's going to be 100 people watching that game. There's well, not 100 people watching that game. Aren't they on the well, bubble for the 13th year in a row? Uh, Clemson's just always on the bubble, yeah. we've got some great games this weekend. Kansas at Baylor, yep. Marquette at Creighton. Yep. Uh, well, right here, number one, Houston yep. at Oklahoma. Scream of a court storm, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that does. I'm Man, trying to all think. these ranked matchups, Tennessee, Bama, Gonzaga, St. Mary's. Boy, does Gonzaga need that one? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a big weekend. I, I, right I haven't there, even circle it the, right there. Houston at Oklahoma, eight p.m. start. Oh boy, liquored up, Boomer Sooner. There we go. Yeah, I'm trying to see Tennessee and Alabama's a big one, but no one's going to be storming the court there. Marquette Crane, that's a big one, but no one's going to be storming the court there. I don't know if we have an. I don't know if we have a good court storm other than that game. Yeah, how you're about probably Wis- right. Wisconsin storming the court against Illinois. There you go. God, Wisconsin just needs a win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no kidding. Period. They're at home. They'll probably get that one, but uh, uh, if not, I'll take it. All more. right, it is a freebie Friday for the pop quiz. The answers seem very doable here. Mark Dykton, uh, or I guess Andy Sweeney, give us a number one through eight. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go. Let's see. Mark Dykton has the uh, – let's go number two. Let's go number two. Caller two. Mark, Num- who we got? Number two, but number one in our hearts. Mark. Oh, nice. Mark, oh, good morning. Gosh. How are you today, sir? Hey, Mark Dykton did hey, that. Good morning, yeah, guys. I'm doing fine. How are you? Hey, Mark. Mark, if you don't mind, how do you spell your name? Mm. The right way. M-A-R-K. I'm not French. M-A-R-C. Well, I'm not French either, but neither. But my parents named me with the C. Tell you what, yeah, that, that might get you know. dumped off the air pretty quickly here, Mark with a K. Uh, not a Mark with a C is our producer. Mark uh, Dykton, any regret over bringing this Mark on air? I mean, we'll have a meet- we have our weekly uh, Mark meeting. We have to have a oh, sidebar, okay. I think. Right, gotcha. I'll be 10 okay. minutes late on that one, too, Mark. I'm sorry. <laughs> we have other callers, too. Wow. I, I am fascinated to see how this one wow. is going to go here. Kind of uh, rooting for him now. Mark with a K, thank you for calling in. We appreciate it. Mark, uh, you got any big weekend plans? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Uh, I like to watch the golf like you do, Kevin, so we'll see what's going on down there in Florida. Oh. I absolutely love that. Mark, it's sectional boys basketball weekend here. I don't know if you grew up in the area or the state. Do you have a uh, Indiana high school sectional memory that you'd like to share? I was a city kid. I was from Indy, so uh, we played a lot of the Hinkle regionals and um, sectionals out at Hinkle. And there was one great game a lot of years ago. I know Greg Rakestall remember when Ben Davis played Washington. Washington was first being closed, and the Ben Davis kid 
I can't recall his name. He was the quarterback. He threw in like a half-court shot at the end of the game to win it by two and knock Washington out. That was my Is that Damon Frierson or am I way off on that? Right. Damon Frierson. Mm. That was him. Heck of a game. Yeah, my hmm. – my dad taught at Ben Davis. He told me some Frierson stories over the years. Yeah, I can only imagine what that atmosphere was like inside of Hinkle. All right, Mark, I love the rivalry that you've created here with our producer. Let's yep. see how you do. Andy Sweeney, lead us off. Hi, Mark. Uh, let's go. Let's go five for five here. Question number one. The Pacers are in New Orleans tonight for a rematch with the Pelicans. Since the Pelicans franchise moved to New Orleans back in 2002, who leads the all-time series? Since they moved back. Well, we'll say the Pacers need that. Speaking of Ben Davis legends, the great Dave Calabro in the building here as hair is looking immaculate getting ready for the month of may all right mark iowa star caitlin clark announced yesterday she's going to enter the 2024 wma draft the fever owned the number one pick and they also had it last year who'd they pick last year tamika catchings kelsey mitchell or leah boston oh it's easy come on leah boston uh, Scotty. Scotty's being nice on him. It must be the leftover question. I think I might have misread that question. Yeah, that's fine. That question number three. Uh, will the Colts use the franchise tag on Michael Pittman Jr.? The team has not uh, franchise tagged a player since Pat McAfee back in 2013. Since the advent of the franchise tag, though, in 1993, who was the first Colts player to be tagged? Is it? Was it, I guess I should say. Marcus Pollard. Hayden Manning, Dwight Freeney, or Marshall Falk? 93. Um, yep, 1993. Who was the first well, player? Was, yeah, that's the, beginning, that's the beginning of the tag. I'm not exactly – this player was not tagged in 1993. I'll give you a hint. It was a few – it was, I'll say, several years after. It was the start of the tag, but he was not tagged that year in 93? Correct. Well, that'd be Dwight Freeney. Mark, number four here. The the Colts currently own the second longest active streak of not using the franchise tag. Shout out to, I believe, Joel A. Erickson had this note earlier this week. Name the only team that has gone longer than the Colts since tagging a player. Hmm. The Browns, the Patriots, the Eagles, or the Lions? Hmm. Uh, that's a great one, and I didn't happen to hear all his report that other day. Um, this was an electrifying player they tagged. Boy, boy Andy, I hate this player. When he caught I, a punt. I hate this guy's guts. He was tremendous. Yeah. I, I just, I'll remember Matt Dodge being screamed at. He got cut. The, I think he got cut the next day after that play. He I'm went to sure he uh, academic rich institution. Yes, he did. Lord, how many hints are we giving today? Was he on a team last year or the year before? I know he was a year before. I'm trying he to think was. if he was last uh-huh. year right. at all. He's a good player, but, man, he, he tormented me. Ugh. Ugh. I'm trying to think of the uh, choice of the team. Eagles, Patriots, Browns, and the fourth one. Broncos. Yeah, Broncos, Patriots, Eagles, or Lions. So one of those guys had a great kick returner, huh? Lions or mm-hmm. Broncos, maybe. Have you looked up uh, in the sky at all today? Oh, sure. <laughs> um, let's go Denver. 
Question number five. You looked up in the sky at all today, Mark? <laughs> Anything flocking around? Cloudy. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. On this day in 1996. You sure about that answer? Yeah. Jeez, God. Oh, we're trying. Oh, man. Yeah. I can go back. All right. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good enough, right. good enough. Gosh, yeah. I don't yeah. even know if I'm enthusiastic about I, it or I'm not. not. No, at that point, once you went back to the well that second I time, just, you knew that it was I done. Know. I know. Uh, on this day in 1996, Lenny Wilkins became the first head coach in NBA history to reach 1,000 career wins. Now, Wilkins finished his career with 1,332 wins and is currently third behind San Antonio's Greg Popovich, who continues to add uh, to his total. He's at 1,360. 78. Now, who sits in second place on the NBA's coaching wins list between Popovich and Wilkins? Is it Pat Riley, Don Nelson, George Carl, Jerry Sloan? Don Nelson. Okay. That was decisive there. Good strong end. To close it there out. Go. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, pretty good. Mark, who's the greatest high school basketball player you ever saw in the state? Um, that Broad Ripple team was really good with Stacey Turan. I don't know that he was the greatest player. Probably, um, hate to say it, but probably Damon Bailey in the day. He was really awesome yeah. in high school. That is always a safe answer when that question gets asked here from a state standpoint. All right, Mark, uh, the effort, it was a mixed bag, if I'm going to be totally honest. Pacers do lead the all-time series. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, uh, great, though. Aaliyah Boston, number one last yeah! year. It was a good got, start for Mark. And he got Don Nelson, right? And he got Don good Nelson, but in the middle. Uh, Four was an abject failure. Yeah, we'll get to that here in a second. Marcus Pollard was the first Colts player to be tagged 2001. Marcus Pollard got tagged by the Indianapolis Colts. Deshaun Jackson was uh, where we were going there for four. I get it would have been hard to pull out the player. Mm-hmm. I, I, God, I hate him. Do eagles still fly when it's cloudy? I, I don't know. Don't look at me over that. I just Deshaun Deshaun Jackson just. Yeah, you were in disgust when when that was brought that, up. That that I um. See a giant killer. You ever? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. You ever heard of the beer Beer Thirty? Yeah. It's in, like, those purple cans. Dirt mm-hmm. cheap. Like, you right. get 30 of them. Uh, Devin, write this down. You get 30 of them for, like, nine bucks. Like, it's something ridiculous. I may have drank 30 of them <laughs> that day. That's one, of those, that's one of those losses where you sit and you stare at the television after the game's over. That's the kind of loss it was. There's not many of those that you may endure in your lifetime. Like, I'm sure you have them with Notre Dame and, you know, Colts and everything else. That was one where you sit there and you're like, I'm going to sit here. I think it was a 1 o'clock game. I'm going to sit here for the rest of the day and sulk in my stink of losing. Ugh, Deshaun Jackson. Ugh. Drink 30. Drink. Th- and, and they're not even real beers, you know. I mean, it's, it's water mostly, but whatever. That Ugh. is outstanding. Shout out to Mark. Uh, I'd love to be a fly on the wall hearing the two Marks chat about. Mm-hmm. There's a great Brett, Brett Bensley. Always looking svelte over there as he <laughs> makes his way over to the camera podiums. we got Michael Penix in a few, right? I think Michael Penix is actually right now. Is he right now? Or he just went. Yeah. He was talking. I, That's I saw probably why Calabro was heading over there. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw a clip. He was talking about meeting with the Broncos, a team that will need to find a quarterback, maybe a couple quarterbacks. Mark right, and I we'll have made amends, out. by the way. Mark and I, okay. Mark, Mark, very nice gentleman off the air. So he's, so he's a huge fan of mine. So that, 
I mean, he buttered me that. up. Oh, wow. He buttered me up. So, that, so he sucked up to you. He just told yeah. you, yeah, I'm I mean, a big fan r- of yours. He ripped you to shreds 10 minutes ago. Well, I mean, I'm, just, I, I'm kind of a smart ass myself, so I, I can take it. I can handle it. Okay. I believe he called you French. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> Polish and Dutch, so not French, but that's fine. Caitlin Clark to the fever. We'll close it out one final time here. We're live at the Indiana Convention Center. It is Combine Week, a busy, busy day at the Convention Center. All right, final segment for us. Fun stuff this week uh, at the NFL Combine. Uh, again, you'll be able to watch all the coverage uh, all week. And, again, they, they put some of it you know, more at night, so it's more of a, a primetime event. But uh, some fun stuff. Miss any of our conversations, especially our conversation yesterday with Colts GM Chris Ballard. You can check that out, 1075thefan.com. One thing I want to run uh, by you, I know uh, you have a thought on Caitlin Clark. I mean, that's a huge, huge local story. Quite frankly, it's the biggest local story today uh, is Caitlin Clark leaving Iowa at the end of the year. We'll go through the senior day this weekend, and then uh, obviously we'll be off to the WNBA draft. I just wanted to throw one thing your way. has nothing to do with, well, I mean, it does a little bit with drafting, but, you know, the free agents, we've talked so much, you know, free agency begins here uh, in just under, uh, what's the 13th of March, I believe. So we're under uh, two weeks away on that. Derrick Henry, I was reading something on CBS this morning. You have Derrick Henry, and we'll see what happens with Sa- Saquon Barkley. I tend to think he'll be back with the Giants. The Giants just have to keep rewinding the same players every year. Um, Swift, who spent the, DeAndre Swift uh, with the Lions, spent last season with the Eagles, uh, and then Tony Pollard. They were doing this look around of where some of these guys could end up, and the Baltimore Ravens are one team that pops up a lot in that. The reason I bring it up is AFC. I'll get to um, the AFC South here in a second, but you know, you look at the Baltimore Ravens, who, you know, they've had, you know, with Dobbins being injured every single year, basically. Gus Edwards is going to be on his way out there. They think one of these big backs, perhaps even a guy like Derrick Henry, will end up on some sort of a one- or two-year deal with Lamar Jackson there in Baltimore. And the only other reason I bring it up, KB, you know, the Houston Texans, Devin Singletary, um, I, I'm blanking. Who's the back they had two years ago? One rookie Damian of the year. Pierce, yeah, right? Damian Pierce out of Florida. He did not have a good year this year. So, you know, he is still there. He might be more uh, of a backup option for them. But Devin Singletary really came on this season, revitalized his career on the back end of the year with Houston. You know, there's a lot of thought they're going to be in the running for one of these uh, guys as well. Now, they might draft somebody, again, much cheaper option. But, you know, you you look at it, these free agent running backs, there is a chance the AFC, which is already a beast, the Texans go out. You know, they might want someone like a Saquon Barkley, and the Ravens may want someone like a Derrick Henry. Again, it's a loaded running back free agent class. Zach Moss is in that group. So, you know, when you talk about those second-tier Colts free agents, I know – you know, the Gardner Minshews and the Mosses and the Taekwon Lewis, even Rigoberto Sanchez, we haven't hit on that a ton compared to the top four, but still some notable names on that front. Yeah, I, I just think the Caitlin Clark news, I, I, I want to make sure that we hit on that one more time, Andy. I, I, I'm obviously biased, but I love Rosie Bowen and I love sports. And I think the fact that, like, 
And Mark, I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but you've got three young girls as well. I mean, for them to be able to grow up in this market with that type of player. Oh, it's and, unbelievable. And yeah. again, I don't want to lose sight of Aaliyah Boston either because sure. she is an outstanding talent. I think, unfortunately, you just naturally probably gravitate a little bit more towards guards when you're, you know, I think it's that's why the Steph Curry craze has been so, so big. It's like, wait a minute. Uh, that's a dude that's six three. You don't have to be, you know, seven foot. Aaliyah Boston for, I mean, six five obviously is pretty unrealistic for, you know, ninety nine percent of females out there. So, um, for our market to have that, um, I can't wait to see the craze, and I can't wait to see the entertainment and just the fanfare that comes with it. And hopefully, they can stay here for a long, long time and have a lot of winning success. I actually went to a uh, Fever Finals game back with Tamika Ketchings. This would have been over a decade ago, and the environment was tremendous. Hmm. And, you know, for us to get back to that, because they've really been the laughing stock of the WNBA, or at least one of them for the last couple of years, uh, would be great for this market. So cannot wait to see how all of it unfolds. And um, by all accounts, she seems like got a great personality and that'll be fun to get to know her hopefully we'll have her on the show a few times and april 15th that is the wmba night of the draft and i know maddie and bowen and rosie <laughs> bowen they're already going to be at a wmba draft party you're to be left at home i'm left at home with max for that's those, a dude's night i for, like that for those yeah, that missed it night. earlier i come downstairs i tell maddie hey caitlin clark's declared for the draft she goes oh i know oh i know i've already been invited Love to a that. wmba draft watch party and daughters invited. So her friend that played college basketball, Caroline's got a few daughters as well, is uh, is doing that. So I think it's just awesome for the city, man. Does I mean does Rosie care about sports right now, or is I, it you know her, her her care level is always very intrigued to like what which who's playing, Daddy? Is this yeah. Notre Dame? Is uh, this the sure. Pacers? Is this IU? Is this Purdue? That's probably. The extent of it. I mean, certain- maybe you don't have her watch IU. Maybe you move that well, aside. Yeah, no. IU offense. women, though. Well, good that point. W- that would be a much, a much different yeah. story there. But, Leave Mike Woodson's team alone. But, okay. I mean, you yeah. know, Andy, she's three years old. If Caitlin right. Clark has a decade long run, well, I know it'd be, it'd like, be unbelievable. I mean, I'm trying to picture. I was born in '89. I mean, think about Reggie Miller. I mean, that, I mean, that's it. Almost adds up exactly to kind of that age frame and what Reggie meant to me but, as a young kid. It, Without Reggie, without Peyton, I'm not in this chair. There are thousands, to get there are thousands of dads doing exactly what you're saying right now. Yeah, it's 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 the biggest news in local sports this weekend. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, immediately after she announced that, you know, they put up they put up season tickets. I always wondered they'll, they'll never let us know. I wonder, I wonder if they how confident they felt that she was going to leave Iowa. I just I they've been at a lot of her games. Yeah, Was I mean, there like a I mean, recruiting I mean, sure. element with that? She, she could go back. I mean, she could go back because of the COVID year and everything else. Sometimes you want to move on with your life into the to the next step, and that's what I always thought that she would do. Much like Zach Eady, much like TJD last year. You know, he could have been back at a, at Indiana. Zach Eady, of course, and you know, I I guess it was an announcement uh, through John Rothstein that he's going to be gone uh, this year. But I, I just I wonder how much I, I wonder how much on pins and needles they have been over that decision. That's a question. And for Lynn Dunn, next yep. time we chat with the legend that is Lynn Dunn. All right, thank you to everybody who've tuned in all week long at the Combine. Thank you to Chris Bauer. Thank you to Matt Conti from the Colts for setting that one up. A shout-out to Dane Brugler and Daniel Jeremiah as well. Everybody enjoy Combine Week. If you're coming downtown, I know some fan experiences. Enjoy that. Have a great, great weekend. We will talk to you on Monday. Wake Up Call signing off.